Because if you think there's a problem, you cap. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, May 2nd, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 409er. This is No Agenda. Standing at the bottom of the ranking of six here in the Travis Heights hideout where SoCo meets MoFo in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley where I'm reading the tweets of Shannon Bream. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Shannon Bream is who? Shannon Bream. Well, she just showed up in my feed here. <laughs> She's one of the Fox girls. Oh, and, and you're following her. Creepy. Yep. You are so creepy. She she must be cute if she's one of the Fox girls. Uh, she uh, has actually pretty good tweets. We're on at the verdict watch. <laughs> <laughs> Ver- oh, <laughs> is this about the uh, the three uh, the three saps who got picked up in uh, Boston? No, she's following some some other case. Oh, I know what the, it's the Kermit the the Kermit yeah, that, doctor that thing. Kermit no, the Frog. That, that's pretty. That's a pretty weird thing though. That uh, I guess that's the abortion doctor who. Um, uh, would uh, babies would uh, he'd do late term abortions and he'd kill them if they were still breathing? Yeah, <laughs> they beat them to death. And it's you know it's an interesting topic, uh, which of course you know there's no there's there's no winner or losers in that conversation. Um, when you really think about okay, you know when is it okay to kill to kill the unborn child? Well. It's an interesting conversation. It's funny we never talk about this sort of thing on the show it's, here. Well, we have better things. To ne- do. Neither of us have the equipment. We're, we're not. We're not equipped to talk about uh, uh, yeah, giving. We don't birth. have the standing. If, if you were yeah. in the court of law, we don't have standing to talk about it. Yeah, we, that's true. We have. We have zero standing. Let the gals talk about it. Hey, right off the bat, John, I would like to wish you. It's oh my goodness. It's a very busy month. Are you ready for it? Ready for the rundown? Okay. I'd like to wish you a very happy. National Mental Health Awareness Month. Oh, okay. Very happy National Foster Care Month. Okay. A very happy National Physical Fitness and Sports Month. Oh, a very happy Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. A very happy Jewish American Heritage Month. I mean, why huh. did the Jews have to share with the chinks and the and the and the, <laughs> and the Islanders? A very happy National Building Safety Month. And if that wasn't enough, John, yes, very happy Older Americans Month. Oh. Huh. <laughs> it's, uh, how we, I mean, we're just going to, it's going to be one nonstop party. It sounds like it. <laughs> this uh, happy uh, Older Americans Month is, is kind of like celebrating Tuna a la King. Uh, not getting that, but okay. Well, it's like, you know, you're old and, uh, you know, so. You're old. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way. The president says, we're finding new ways to make sure seniors live with dignity as full members of their communities. Getting you Medicare and Social Security and. Hmm. It's all good stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, when 65, I guess your life is over. Is that, isn't, that, isn't that when you're officially a senior, when you're 65? It's a, um, it depends. It, it keeps changing. They're going to move it to 70. Yeah. Oh, and, and John, today, happy Bin Laden Disappearance Day. Uh, it's an anniversary. That's but right. It's not something that was noted in the Congress. Uh, it was noted in uh, official intelligence briefings. 
Uh, I can uh, I have the uh, briefing here as May second. Uh, here it is. This is uh, second anniversary of Osama bin Laden death. This is and I love it. Where is this the, the Osama or the Osama? This is the Osama. Oh, okay. Osama, Osama, Sama, Sama, hey, originator, DOD, Army Organizations, USAITA, uh, Alaract release, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this, these, this is one of these cables, uh, subject, second anniversary of Osama bin Laden death, 2nd of May, 2013, HQOA, anti-terrorism awareness advisory, alert, alert, so it could be a day uh, of terror, fear, well, that's an every day in America. <laughs> yeah, every day in America. <laughs> every day is a day of fear. It's Are a you day afraid? Of fear. So we had uh, we had our um, our dinner party on uh, Monday night, and, uh, and and right, we talked a little bit about this on the show. We did, but not much. We talked most of it after the show. Well, and this is one of those rare occasions where we actually had a, a, a an off-topic uh, discussion after the show, which I would say lasted for about 45 minutes, quite a record for us, and we had yeah, already spoken yeah. for over two and a half hours. Shower up afterwards. Uh, <laughs> um, and mainly because uh, I was now cooking for a total of six people, and these are our, uh, our friends here in Austin. We have um, a Russell, the brain scientist. Uh, we have his lovely wife, Jennifer, the architect. We have Lori, the artist, and um, her husband, Mark, the rock and roller, uh, who also uh, does investments and accounting. And um, and they're all Obama bots. Oh, the total Obama bots. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, and Mickey and I concluded after the evening, which uh, it went until past midnight. Oh, um, it was a good evening. It, no, it was a good evening. We went. Uh, we concluded that we are probably their wacky friends. <laughs> <laughs> Those two, wow. Have yeah. you ever been to their house? You got to go They're hang out. unbelievable. <laughs> what they say is crazy, crazy. I got to tell you. So first of all, uh, I had asked you for advice. I said, what am I going to cook? Six people. I, I I don't think I can do this. And you went, hey, you're so lovely. You went, this is easy. No problem. You're doing beef bourguignon. I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, so first of all, I did not uh, sell this as beef I bourguignon. Like your of me. <laughs> <laughs> very gentle. I wrote it. I wrote it down. I wrote down exactly how you told me to do this. Yeah, and uh, which is quite funny. Um, in fact, uh, I will. I will uh, give you just the first few lines. Uh, and I named it something different because they said, "Oh, what are we having for dinner?" And I said, "We're having double dip recession slave stew." <laughs> yes, you actually, <laughs> right, which I think is a great name for this dish. It is. Um, and here's here's how you said it. You get uh, five pounds of meat, chuck steaks, one and a half inch uh, cubes, and this is the cheapest meat you can find. I mean, I'm talking cheap, cheap, cheap. Then you get your cast iron pot. You make this thing hot. I mean, fucking hot. You're going to put the meat in there, and it's just going to be like, it's just going to be smoking. It's outrageous. You have to open the doors and the windows. This is nuts. It's caramelizing. Don't touch it. <laughs> That's kind of how, how you told me to do it. Yeah, kind of. And uh, so I had to make an investment. and it makes a lot of smoke. The investment was... If done right. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, the investment was getting a Dutch oven, which I didn't have. Uh, so we went to Bed Bath & Beyond. After right, you and I... Those are not true Dutch ovens, but go on. Um, go on. Well, no, I... They had, you went to bed, did you buy the one that uh, we saw on the, on the online? You know what? There were three three different kinds, and the one that we saw online, there, were, there was kind of... Um, um, there were two other choices. One was the French kind, which was like $300. Yeah, they're a little pricey. What, That's and I'm usually because like, they're uh, enameled. 
They were all enameled. Maybe a different. Maybe. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, they, well, you know, do I? I always go with the the one I use is real is a, is American cast iron. It's the it's the big it's the big heavy duty cast iron cast iron that needs to be cured. Yeah. So um, I got the one that uh, Emerald sells. Oh, okay. I like it. I liked it. Yeah. So it's six quarts, and we. And That's we, perfect. Yeah, we needed. Uh, it was like, all purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, cook a lot of meals in that thing. Now, and I'm really going to get into this because this was a dynamite thing to do. I followed your instructions, although I did something really stupid, which I think may have contributed to the success of the meal. Because you know yeah. um, what you do, the, the whole secret really is you're throwing in a bottle of, of of wine, and that's really the secret to it. And that's just going to. Although you have a secret ingredient, which is the cooking sake. I thought that was a. Uh, that's a very cool thing to do kind of after your second hour. Um, but I had um, I had also asked you what wine I should serve at the meal. And you had said you had suggested a Cote Rhone 2009, but 2010 or 2011 would do. And uh, so I had found a, 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 a Cote Rhone, uh, and I think it was it was not cheap. It was like seventeen bucks or something. Two thousand. It's expensive for yeah. a Cote Rhone, but yeah. Well, so the mistake is I wound up pouring that into the uh, stew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, technically, when you meet, beef bourguignon, of course, is a variation on a stew. The French version that's made in Burgundy, and it's technically supposed to be made with a Burgundy wine, and I suggested a Pinot. Yeah. And you used instead a Syrah or actually a Grenache, Syrah blend, whatever's in it. Nobody knows what's in it. Have to coat their own. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that would move. It would shift the <laughs> flavor profile substantially. But it worked. Well, yeah. And actually, any wine will work. Yeah, I, I've cooked those things up with white wine. <laughs> but and, and and what's great about this is the kitchen is clean when everyone shows up. It's just clean. Yeah, you know, everything's all, all the messes cleared. The thing sitting there, it's just bubbling along. John, they could not believe. They're like, you're, you're, they're like, you're full of crap. You've cooked before. You've done this before. I said, no, no, never. First time. And I gave you full credit. They all know who you are, of course. I gave you full credit for uh, coaching you. No, I said, it's, it's. I said, no, I said, right down to buying the Dutch oven today. So I, I was honest about it. Um, but I didn't uh, say it was birth, beef bourguignon. I just said it was double dip recession slave stew. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, beef bourguignon is a slave stew. To be honest about it, it's just got a fancy name. At a certain point, you know, there is a a, a point in the evening where they'll say to me, "Okay, Adam, so uh, we're here for our reality check." <laughs> like, they're like, "What are you afraid of?" It's like, "What am I afraid of? Nothing. I'm not afraid of a single thing." And then. Mickey, bless her heart, is like, yeah, because we got guns. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. They, and the heads whipped like, what do you mean you have a gun? What? <laughs> Mickey's like, I got a gun in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, and I have an AR-15 that's semi-automatic with big, scary, high-capacity magazines. <laughs> it was just, it, it, there was like, it was, that was the moment. That was the turning point. And like, we we'll, 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 all leave at that point. No, 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 no. We no. will have nothing to do <laughs> with people like you. Uh, no, I think they find it fascinating because they. I can see that they're really. Uh, uh, in fact, um, one of the one of the women said, uh, "You know, you know." And, and Mickey's explanation. And I, we we're, we got to tone this down because you know people in Austin don't get it. <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're not in Texas. They well. 
of course, you know, people here in Austin enjoy what Austin is. And I believe part of, of what makes Austin Austin is because of it being in Texas. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I think benefits to come along with that. And one of them is there's relatively low crime because, and I believe uh, that is attributable in large part to the fact that everyone's armed. Certain types of crime, for sure, are much lower than other populations, uh, populated areas. Um, because, you know, you don't want to just carjack because someone, you know, like Mickey could be in the car and shoot you. Uh, or you don't want to, like, try and break into someone's house because, you know, you can get shot. Now, it still happens, of course, and people are stupid. Um, but, you know, the conversation kind of turned to one of the women saying, um, yeah, you know, I, uh, the other day I honked at someone uh, in traffic, and I was like, oh, oh, my God, he might shoot me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so... So people are people are kind of afraid, and it was interesting just to see how, um, yeah, just to hear the conversation, you know. And of course, at some point, someone said, you know, like, oh, like that idiot Sarah Palin, and, you know, you know, I can't stand that, right? You know, I just can't, I can't take it. I'm like, well, did you read her book? <laughs> you mean the one her ghostwriter wrote? Which it's like <laughs> it's like a knee jerks. Well, knee yeah, jerks. And, and of course, what I could have said, which I didn't, it's was yeah, scripted. yeah, it's like yeah. you know, unlike Obama's script writers, you know, speech writers or ghost writer, whatever. But I didn't say that. And well, then, you're a you're a better man. Well, but here's what's interesting. And I said, you know, because the women were really vocal about this, and um, and actually the professor chimed in, you know, saying, "Well, she's an idiot." I'm like, "Wow, that's empirical evidence right there for you, Prof." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's an idiot. <laughs> Proof, because she can see Russia from her door. Okay, um, but I said I can't believe the misogyny against Sarah Palin. And you, you are women. What are you doing? And here's the line that got me. Oh, they felt that go. there was more hate for Hillary Clinton than Sarah Palin. They said that. Yeah, I'm like, what are Where's you talking about? Where's the evidence I, of I said, that? Yeah, I mean, what are you talking about? And then, of course, you know, it's she's like... She's not even running for president. She's polling higher than everyone. How's that? Where's the... Where is the... Where's the hate? Hate Where's the hate? Where's the hate? Uh, I, was just, I was just blown away. I'm like, how can... You, you're sitting here saying she's an idiot. You don't know the woman. You haven't read her book. You know, you... you there's all these... I know enough. It's what the media's told you about her. You have no idea. She ran a pretty big state. And people seem pretty happy with their oil money. That that they that she fought for the people got their money, yeah, which to, is unusual in this country. Yeah, not like Texas is handing out their the oil money to everybody. Yeah, the big boys. I, keep I didn't it. I didn't see no check anywhere. Anyway, so that's okay. Um, uh, but you know, from from there, it just kind of disintegrated into uh, into name calling. Yeah, name, <laughs> <laughs> basic name call. And then and I did I did racist. I did pull out, and it worked really really well. And this is great for those of you. Um, uh, who will get into the conversation? You know when. Uh, so you know we're talking about uh, gun control, and you know, I, and I, of course, I I rolled out my look. You can't really legislate crazy. You know, at what point? You know, uh, are you deemed um, medically? What was it? Uh, uh, mentally um, un. What's the word, John? Dismissed. Unhinged. <laughs> Unhinged. Off the wall. That you can't, you know, have a gun, and then you know, where does it go from there? You can't be around kids, and you shouldn't be within a hundred yards of a school. And, you know, where does it end? But then I said, but really, um, um, your, um, I said, your democratic leaders. I love saying that because if they say, oh, I can always say, I just, I didn't say that you're a democrat. I said your democratic leaders, um, they don't give a, a rat's ass about you. All they care about. 
uh, and they don't care about the legislation either. It doesn't matter if it passes or not. All they want is to keep this conversation going because that will bring all the Democrat, all the women will never, ever, ever vote Republican again. You know, that's our that's our theme as to, you know, our thesis that we've come up with as to why this is such a big deal. And and they were smart. They went, oh, well, that's really working, isn't it? I <laughs> see. Yep. And that so that you know when you get someone who's willing to listen, even an Obama bot, um, yeah. And I, I don't need, I don't know what they voted for. I'm just presuming. I I have no. Oh please, <laughs> you don't know. They didn't vote for Gary Johnson. Yeah, uh, I think Jennifer asked, "Don't you have a hero?" I said, "No, <laughs> no." But that's sad. She I said, said no. your mom. Um, no, that's no, that's that's really corny. <laughs> totally, that's, that's corny. I wouldn't have done that. Um, so. Um, so anyway, so yeah, yeah. So, but it was a big hit, really, really big hit. And so, uh, what did you serve for wine? Since you dumped the expensive Cote de Rhone into the they pot? brought a <laughs> they brought over a 2010 Shiraz, which was oh, well, that, that was would match the meat. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Actually, that's actually better. That would make the beef bourguignon cooked with the Shiraz uh, Grenache blend mm-hmm. better combination with the wine. Now there is something that goes along with. Um, what did you have for a vegetable? Did you cook the spinach? Yeah, uh, Mickey. Did, you know, we we tried your the way you suggested the spinach the day before. Like, and you, it didn't work. Yeah, but it's I like our way better. Okay. Yeah. No, your your way was okay. You know, just in the water and everything, and then throw the butter in. But uh, I kind of like the just I don't know. Yeah. No, it, it didn't work for us. It just it was fine, but it didn't work for us. And then we also did a, a goat cheese and pear salad, which uh, Mickey actually did. That was the, the presentation of that. If you get the presentation right of that kind of salad, dynamite. Doesn't even matter how it tastes. Okay. So now do they invite you over? Is that the deal? It's like the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Oh, yeah. You go oh, from yeah. house oh, to house oh, yeah. back it's, and forth. It's the, brains, it's the brain professor next, who, by the way, agreed with us about that. Um, remember the... Um, the brain guy on NPR who was talking about he can predict if someone's going to be a criminal or a repeat criminal with his little test. If you, you have to, if a, a Y pops up, you hit the button. If an X pops up and you hit the button, then you're clearly a criminal. Yeah, right. You're a pathological murderer. Right. So the guy said, and I said, that guy's a douchebag. And he agreed. He said, oh, yeah, he's not only he's a douchebag, he, run, he goes around the country with a mobile brain scanner to, you know, to show his theories. He says the guy's a total. There's a lot of animosity in this brain business, and uh, and that whole Obama hundred million dollar thing. He says it's kind of bull crap because forty million of it was already appropriated by uh, DARPA, so it was like you know it wasn't really all new money, and and he, everyone thought it was kind of weird. Huh. Uh, even the brain guys don't quite get it. I'm paraphrasing, but that's that's what I was left with. So explain it better next time. Because they're listening. And they're on guard, too. I think that's a part of it. <laughs> Are you going to use this for the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're all listening now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but it, but I did it know... Sounds like a, at least a, a fun uh, uh, conversational group, not about... Bunch of dummies. Oh no, totally, totally. And you know, and 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 Lori is really, she's an artist, and she's uh, she's really into the whole, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, the, the, the art. No, no, no. The uh, all the techno gadgets and uh, what's the transhuman transhumanization? 
Oh God. Yeah, she pro- she should probably t- have a visit at Singularity University. She'll probably be there with the Google glasses next. <laughs> she- <laughs> exactly. She- <laughs> I could totally see her with the Google glasses. And um, you know, Natalie Del Conte's doing something like this. She's, oh no, she's heading in this direction. No, no, tell me it's not so. Yeah, no, she was when she did the uh, tweet thing some about a month ago. She was talking about she's she's got herself all rigged up so she, she knows her her heartbeat at all, all the right. times. It's like some sort of self reflective thing. So you're constantly your blood pressure is in monitoring. Oh yeah, in real oh time yeah. Now you, but you can get work with this stuff. You, so you, you can get gigs. I'm telling you, people gigs doing what? Oh, uh, so Lori is um, artist in residence at University of Texas, doing all this stuff and with the brain people. That's how they know each other. You see, uh, uh huh. Yeah, you can get good gigs. You're wiring yourself up, you can get invited to conferences, and all, you get free airfare and all kinds of stuff. It's good. It's, it's, you know, just spew the bull. <laughs> just, just wear it. Whatever it is, just wear it. I keep saying I can't stand this wearable computing stuff anyway. But but I did feel something. The future, man. It's the future. Yeah, for real. Um, I did feel something kind. There is a shift, and it was um, – and, and I kind of figured out where it's coming from, I think, with um, the um, conspiracy theories and how this is talked about now in mainstream. We, we've already noticed this a couple of times and I'm going to say right up front again, I am fully convinced now that uh, Alex Jones is uh, an agent uh, of change uh, and is uh, playing his part in being a, a, an idiot on mainstream television, uh, or at least um, projecting himself in such a way that it's easy to portray him as an idiot uh, to really um, classify anyone who has an alternative idea marginalization technique complete yes marginalization thank you is that a nazi uh, thing must be Maybe. no i don't think it was the nazis that came up i think it's a uh, i think it's a straight out and out public relations uh, effect uh, maybe specialized or or developed by bernays oh yeah that could be well it's a possibility and and i and i've also i think i've figured out why cuz you know really does the mainstream media is it really that important for them to say, "Oh, we have to, you know, knock these uh, these these alternative news people down a peg"? Uh, and if it really was true, then they would come after us, which they're not, because it just uh, we, no one matters. I mean, it's so small on on the big media scale. Even what Alex Jones has, it's so incredibly small. So it has to be about something else. And I think I figured it out. And and oh oh yeah yeah, it's it's not that hard, but uh, they're. They're giving there are a couple of people who are telegraphing it and giving it away. Now the first time um I really uh this was a couple of days ago, right after the White House correspondence dinner, when I when I heard this, I'm like, hmm, wait a minute, there's something going on here. This is uh uh Chuck Todd, who's oh, with Chuck. uh he's with uh what is he, N- NBC? I think he's an NBC, yeah, NBC. guy. Yeah. You know what what I wonder is how many people realize at the end when he did his you know, there's always this part at the end where they get serious for a minute. And it's usually the part where presidents say, you know, I think the press has a good job to do and I understand what they have to do. He didn't say that. He wasn't very complimentary of the press. You know, we all can do better. It, was, it did seem, I thought his pot shots, uh, joke-wise, and then the serious stuff about the Internet, 
the rise of the internet media and social right. media and all that stuff. He hates it. Okay, he hates this part of the media. He really thinks that the sort of the buzzification. This isn't just a, about BuzzFeed or Politico and all this stuff, but he thinks that sort of coverage of political media has hurt political discourse. He hates it, and I think he was just trying to make that clear last night. So I'm, I'm not so sure that you know that that's entirely true, but I think it's a signal. Uh, to mainstream, like we're going after uh, the crazies and we're going to classify them as such. Uh, and there is a benefit to it, which I think does fit in with uh, the president's uh, next or upcoming mission and really where all the money is. Because if you're not following the money, then who, then, then no one cares. Um, but first, I need to bring in MSNBC's Martin Bashir. And uh, Martin... So is a creep. This guy is very creepy, actually. I, I, I don't watch his show, but someone alerted me to what was going on, and there was this whole segment he had on. And, and so, and, and I pulled out as much of it as possible because it's all it, they're really taking Alex Jones to task. And, like, wh- why, why do these guys care? I mean, who gives a crap about you know, what, what Alex Jones does? Why would they care at all, and why would they uh, make such a big deal out of it? And um, well, here's a couple of just interesting clips that I that I pulled, which kind of uh, gives you an idea of what's going on here. In uh, you know the early 2000s. So oh, I'm sorry, he has a guest on. One guy uh, is selling a book, and uh, another guy is from Huffing- uh, the Huffington Post. And I think this is the Huffington Post guy. A lot of uh, progressive sites, including uh, Daily Coast, and I think even even the Huffington Post said, you know, we're not going to publish anybody that's doing any 9-11 truth or nonsense. Right. We're, we're not going right. to get into it. You know, th- it's a free country. So th- it's interesting that the Huffington Post decided that they wouldn't do that. First Amendment's a big Internet. and Go ahead and create your own WordPress blog and, and write whatever you want about it. But, but you're not going to talk about that here. The, the right did not do that. Uh, when it came to birthers, and so all of a sudden you had this 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 uh, this combination of of them not believing the quote unquote liberal media. You know they, they don't trust the media as an institution. A lot of them don't trust the government either. You know the, Waco course. and Ruby Ridge and all that stuff. Why would we trust the government after Waco and Ruby Ridge and all that I stuff? I mean, really? I, I, you know, after Waco and Ruby Ridge, they don't trust the government. Nobody was indicted. They know who was the sniper who killed the poor guy's wife. It's interesting, though, that... And he, that dog, he, and nobody does anything about it when somebody, you know, sneezes while there's a burglary and you're part of the part of the conspiracy. It's interesting, though, when the way he says it and the way Bashir agrees, it's like they're both saying, yeah, how could you even think about the government being wrong in those cases? That was so so justified. I mean, listen to it. Of, of them not believing the quote-unquote liberal media. You know, they, they don't trust the media as an institution. A lot of them don't trust the government either. You know, the, Waco course. and Ruby Ridge and all that stuff. Right. So you get that ta- toxic combination, and then you get establishment figures in the Republican Party backing up this, this birtherism. Uh, th- and then you have these email chains that are whipping around the country, <laughs> and they would use as validation. They would say, you haven't seen this on the mainstream media. You know, therefore, it's true. The, yeah. You know, the fact that the media would not validate it to them validates it. Conniption? Was that him laughing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going. <laughs> That's so crazy. If we, it's just, it's just a crazy thought that if we're not looking at it, that it's that it could be true. <laughs> you know, the fact that the media would fact. not validate it to them validates it. Incredible. And, and, incredible. Right. So you need people like Eric Erickson to incredible. Just incredibly stupid. 
And uh, so they also attack uh, Beck, which I think is uh, is probably justified. But then this is really fun. This is really funny. Listen to the discrepancy. And here's the the douchebag who's not the Huffington Post douchebag, some other guy or whatever. You, but you'll hear it's really funny what happens in this in this fifty seconds. Earlier we played some sound of Glenn Beck linking what happened in Boston disgracefully to Auschwitz. And let me show everyone a picture of that. There you can see Beck, a picture of Boston, and in the bottom right corner, his new book on the truth about gun control. In the end, this is all just about peddling books and, and, and amortizing their brand, isn't it? Of course. And, you know, eventually it got back fired even from Fox uh, because they started to lose advertisers. And in my book, uh, which isn't out yet, but uh, it's coming out. So I find this Whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> isn't that Are great? You're trying to get clip of the day on me? <laughs> Didn't you like that? It's like, it's disgraceful Glenn Becker selling a book, but in my book, which is coming out next month. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? In, in my book, uh, which isn't out yet, but uh, it's coming out in a month, um, and I explain how at one point Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, heard that Glenn Beck had called this Obama a racist, and he ordered all Apple ads off of Fox, and he said, no, it can't wait till Monday. This was on a Friday that it happened, and they had to go out to a transmission facility and pull out a digital file to make sure that all Apple ads were off Fox. Not, not long after that, Beck was fired. by. So, so here he is uh, with the revelation that Glenn Beck was fired because Steve oh, Jobs, Jobs made it so, which I find uh, an interesting connection. So, you know, it, you, let's see. You know, that it may or may not be true. I, I It's a possibility because he was very fickle. And Jobs was a huge Democrat. Yes. He had Clinton over in his house, and he was, yeah. and he was a you know, neoliberal Democrat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anybody out there? And uh, so I could see him doing like that. all and rich Americans. He was a Democrat, like the true, so, we- the true wealthy in America. He was a Democrat. Yeah, no, like the, like the super rich, are super all, rich, yeah. with very few exceptions, are almost all Democrats. Uh, because it, because the idea of that the party wants to keep people in their place. Yes. And uh, so if you're in your place and you're up at the top, yeah. Great. So anyway, the uh, that's that makes sense. And uh, well, so 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 bear with me now. And I so, could, and by the way, which brings us back to our model. Well, before we get into that, because it is important, it is a, an important part of our model. Because this guy, I did, I, I have more clips, but I don't want to play that. He literally is saying the way we have to get rid of these crazy fringe people. Uh, although Glenn Beck is arguably fringe, he's making a lot of money with his radio show. Um, is by going after their advertisers. So he's, he keeps saying, go after the advertisers, go after the advertisers, this is how you bring them down, and that's really what this conversation is about. Now, on the heels of this, we've had a lot of articles. Salon is out front, uh, but you'll see more of this. And the article that came out today is Alex Jones Conspiracy, Inc. And so they, they show you, and there's a cool picture of him with just you know big wads of cash all around his head, and uh, and it shows how you know they break down quite um, in detail, and I, I I'm not sure if it's right or not, but in detail they break down how much money he must be making, and you know the, there's a, a guess somewhere between six and eight million dollars a year uh, with you know all the stuff and you with seeds sounds, seeds sounds seeds. sounds what it's seeds seeds sounds yeah. reasonable sounds yeah I think it's it, reasonable between six and eight million probably um. 
you know, and uh, let's see, and it, uh, how does it end up? You know, of course, it talks about, you know, crazy conspiracy theories. And the whole idea is that these are conspiracy entrepreneurs. Uh, less, uh. We, yeah. Um, yeah, conspiracy. Uh, so that's what they call it. Con- yeah, conspiracy entrepreneurs, conspiracy Inc. And um, and this is uh, what uh, everyone's trying to be pigeonholed in is the the and Alex Jones up front. And he's doing a very good job of that, I have to say. Yeah, he's uh, the leader. He's the leader. He's really hurting everybody else. Really, is hurting them with his insane because he is insane. It's insane behavior uh, when when he makes it to main. Just in- he's insane. Just seeds and then my face. Um, it's, it's, you know, and it's hurting. It's hurting because then you get this kind of stuff and the marginalization, uh, is beginning. Uh, and, and, you know, then you have to yell a lot louder because then we get, which makes you sound insane. Yeah. Well, yes, it does. Uh, it's, of course it makes me, it's certainly the only thing that makes this show work is you. <laughs> I'm so down to earth. You are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I can cook a stew. So then. There are two other articles. One uh, it was republished in Salon, How Conspiracists Think, but it comes from Scientific American. Now, Scientific American, you think this would be kind of scientific, wouldn't you? Science! Science! Yeah, of course, unless you've actually followed the, the uh, fact that Scientific American went off the rails. Science! Probably, yeah. Probably 15 years ago when they essentially became war- – they, they essentially threw themselves, threw themselves under the bus – of pop science and became uh, pretty right. useless. Right. Well, but it's it's just as much about science as the Federal Reserve is a, a part of the government. Let's put it that way. All right. It works though. People think Federal Reserve that's part of the government. People think Scientific American that's real science. So here is this is written by Sander van der Linden, who uh, seems like a Dutch guy, but uh, he may he may be of Dutch heritage, but that's not clear in his bio. Uh, the title here is Moon Fan Moon Landing Faked Why People Believe in Conspiracy Theories. And here it is New Psychological Research Helps Explain Why Some See Intricate Government Conspiracies Behind Events Like 9 11 or the Boston Bombing. And uh, right off the bat, he telegraphs what his article is really about. Did NASA fake the moon landing? Is the government hiding Martians in Area 51? Is global warming a hoax? And what about the Boston Marathon bombing? An inside job, perhaps? And then he promotes this book, The Empire of Conspiracy. And it really doesn't doesn't go into anything at all. But he does bring it around back to global warming. Uh, And I'll just uh, skip to the end. All these articles, of course, are in the show notes, uh, even with archived versions at 509.nashownotes.com. And... uh, so since a number of studies have shown that belief in conspiracy theories is associated with feelings of powerlessness, uncertainty, and a general lack of agency and control, a likely purpose of this bias is to help people make sense of the world by providing simple explanations for complex social events, restoring a sense of control and predictability. A good example of that is climate change. You know, what's interesting to, to interrupt you there, when I like the way he uses uh, his uh, adjectives to say a simple explanation. The Anti, the anti-warmists, the people who believe global warming is not what it's, it's purported to be, those explanations they have are anything but simple. Like the guy, I sent you a link to one of the uh, studies of this guy who's an actual uh, 
yeah, yeah. title expert. I put it and in here. He the, says uh, the problem is is that these computer models are bullcrap, well, well, and he's gone out. I'm going to let you get to all of that because that's where we're headed. But I need to make the bridge so people understand what's going on, what's happening right now, and why this conspiracy theory stuff is taking place. So he brings this around. Um, and I'll skip to the very end here. Um, a good example of that is climate change. Well, the most recent international scientific assessment report, giving in, receiving input from over 2,500 independent scientists from more than 100 countries, science is in, concluded with 90% certainty that human-induced global warming is occurring. The severe consequences and implications of climate change are often too distressing and overwhelming for people to deal with both cognitively as well as emotionally, resorting to easier explanations that simply discount global warming as a hoax is then, of course, much more comforting and convenient psychologically. Yet, as Al Gore famously pointed out, unfortunately, the truth is not always convenient. So I'm like, who is, who is this douchebag? Here he is, and this is what led me down the path. Sander van der Linde is a doctoral candidate in social environmental psychology at the London School of Economics and Political Science, and currently a visiting research scholar with the Yale Project on Climate Change Communication at Yale University. His research focuses on behavioral change, the, psycho the psychology of communication, and the construction of human risk perception. I think Goebbels is one of his uh, professors, uh, because this thing, at Yale, and you've got to take a look at this. This is the uh, Yale Project. It's often called the Yale Project on Climate Change, but it's not really that. It's the Yale Project on Climate Change Communication. And they have come out with a number of reports. The most recent report, Extreme Weather and Climate Change in the American Mind. This is a report from April 2013. But the one that interests me the most is the one from December 2012, uh, global warming, six Americas, because there are six type of Americas, John. Can you believe it? There's the kind of America that totally believes in global warming, all the way down to the dismissives. We're all going to die. <laughs> no, the, dis the dismissives. We are the dismissives. And this guy shows up on Bill Moyers, which is a part of PBS. Right, and Moyers is part of the system. Right, and Bill Moyers does an hour-long interview with him. I mean, an hour-long interview. And is this the ending that silence on climate change with Bill Moyers? I'm sorry. No, it's a different one. No, I don't. No. I can't find. Oh, I'm the, looking. The, at the guy's post. name. I'm the guy's sure. name is Lacerowitz. Yeah, he, where, where where are you getting this uh, December date? I can't find it on the site. Oh, look in the right-hand side. You see yeah. that there's a. 2012 Six Americas report. What are you, are you looking at? The Yale Climate Change Communication, communication Site, bridging yeah. science and technology. Yeah. Hey, you see on the right. Oh, hand okay, there it yeah. is. I'm okay. sorry. All right. Um, and it's it's really boring. It's just a whole bunch of graphs and and crap. Find out which of the six Americans no, you wait. No, I, 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 don't click on that. I'm going to do the quiz with you. Don't do it okay. now. <laughs> don't click. I'm not clicking. I'm not. Clicking. Promise you won't click because it's so much I fun. I clicked on the PDF, but I didn't click on the okay, test. Okay, don't, don't click on the test, please, please, please. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So um, let's just listen to if I, I, this morning at the breakfast table with Ms. Mickey. I had to clip a couple things. So here's – this is the spokes hole. And uh, first of all, let's find out about this science, you know, because he's going to break it down for us, explain how this science is correct. And what is the role of religious faith in answering it? What do you say to the secularist? 
I say, let's engage on the science. Let me hear what your arguments are, and then let's respond to them. And I would ask, in turn, that you listen to what the scientific community has to say. Are you ready? He's, do you think he can explain it, what the scientific community has to say? John, are you ready for it? They I, never listen. Are you, well, stand by. It's perfectly fine to have a, a, a great conversation with many people about the science itself because the science is, or the science is so robust. Um, at this point. I mean, we have basically known for over 20 years now. I just because heard... they've shouted down everybody <laughs> Listen, else. listen. The science is robust. Stand by. Oh, yeah, because that... they shouted down everybody. <laughs> Be quiet now. Otherwise, you won't, you're going to miss it. it. And it actually boils down. For all the complexity of the science, it's really quite simple. It's real. Okay. <laughs> for all its complexity, it's, it's real, Okay. Shut up, it's real. Climate change is real. It's real. Uh, it is mostly human-caused this time. Mostly? There have been climate change this time. changes over many millions of years in the past that had oh, nothing that, to do with that, human beings. That, that's this a little piece of propaganda. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Shut up already. It's science. Time, it's if mostly well, okay, go on. Yeah, let me go on. being caused by our activities. Uh, third, it's going to be bad. In fact, bad. it's bad now, and it's, it's going to get worse. It's going to be bad. Um, fourth, there's hope. That there are lots of solutions already on the table. That- All right. So uh, now he's going to explain it. Uh, explain what this means. You know, this this rising of the temperature. What do you? I mean, what is this? How? What is the best? Remember, this is a professor in climate change communication. He runs the whole department at Yale. He's a PR guy. Duh. What do you think? What do you? How? What analogy could you use that would work with stupid slaves who are going to buy into this? I don't know. Just use a simple analogy because people often will say, well, you know, four or five degrees, that doesn't sound like very much. I mean, I see the temperature change more from night to day. But it's the wrong way to think about it. I mean, think about when you get sick and you get a fever. Okay? Your body is usually at, you know, 98.7 degrees. If your temperature rises by one degree, you feel a little off, but you can still go to work, you're fine. Um, It rises by two degrees. And you're now feeling sick. In fact, you're probably going to take the day off because uh, you definitely don't feel good. And, in fact, you're getting everything from hot flashes to cold chills. Okay? Um, oh, I love it. At 3 degrees, you're starting to get really sick. And at 4 degrees and 5 degrees, your brain is actually slipping into a coma. Okay? You're close to death. The earth has a fever and it's going to die. The earth now, is let's, slipping let's into a, a coma. Wasn't this the same group that, as we were reading earlier, bitch about the the, the people who are uh, oh, cl- anti-warmist as being simple? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the most simple-minded analogy that means nothing. Nope. Ugh. Okay, so now let's find out about these six Americans. Somebody, I think to come back to that, if the if Moyers, but Moyers would never do this no. thing. Well, yeah, that could be true, but the but the. The range of temperatures that the human body can endure is minimal. The range of temperatures on Earth at any given time starts at minus 30 or <laughs> minus 50 degrees. But the Earth has a fever. It goes up to 120. The so Earth has a fever, a John. Rate. John, Mother Earth has a fever. She's not feeling good. Sequences, I don't Here's about the six Americans, so we'll find out who we are soon. The only thing about the potential solutions. So for them, it's really just basic awareness that uh, that they need to be engaged on. All right, let's get to the dismissives, because this is, this is where it all starts to come together. Uh, two last groups. Uh, one is what we call the doubtful. It's about 13% of the public. Doubtful. These are people who say, well, I don't think it's happening, but if it is, it's natural. 
nothing humans had anything to do with, um, uh, and therefore nothing we can do anything about. So they don't pay that much attention, but they're pre predisposed to say, not a problem. And then last but not least, 8% of Americans are what we call the dismissive. And these are people who are firmly convinced it's not happening, it's not human-caused, uh, it's not a serious problem, and many are what we would lovingly call conspiracy theorists. Lovingly call conspiracy theorists. Oh, this is even better. They, it's a hoax. What? Yeah, they, had, they had a meeting to use that one. Oh, yeah. It's scientists well, making up data. It's a U.N. plot to take away American sovereignty <laughs> and so on. He's Uncle Phil, and he's the nicest guy. He's a little nutty. He's been, you know, and a poor man can't. He gets lost if he goes outside. But we love Uncle Phil. He's really a, a he's deeply, a deeply nice, nice person. Yeah, here we go. Serious problem, and many are what we would lovingly call conspiracy theorists. They <laughs> say it's a hoax. hoax. It's scientists making up data. It's a UN plot to take away American sovereignty, and so on. Now that's only eight percent, but there are very well mobilized, organized, and loud eight percent, and they've tended to dominate the public square. Okay, so here you have. I love how he, how he says okay after every sentence. It's like it's almost so Silicon Valley. Always the guys go always go right. So you have the transmorgified uh, Google Glass, which is perfect for everyone wants one, right? And then uh, you know this guy's saying okay, okay. He says a real soft okay. These six totally different audiences that need completely different types of information and engagement to 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 deal with this issue. So one of the first tasks, I mean, you know this as a communicator as well as I do. One of the first rules of effective communication is know thy audience. Ah, know thy audience. It's uh, it's one of the commandments, I think. Know thy audience. So, of course, uh, know thy audience. Uh, you know, you have to understand, though, John, this very small group, this, who are the loudest. You know why they're loud, don't you? You know why. You know why. Like us. I mean, you and I, clearly, clearly, we're financed by horrible polluting companies, oh, oil uh, companies. Yeah, what, we get a check every week. <laughs> I just get it's just like it's wheelbarrows coming in, wheelbarrows of cash. In fact, even the environment as a category never gets above say one or at most two percent of total news coverage. But it's not just the amount of media coverage; it's also the fact that there's been a very active disinformation campaign. Disinformation campaign. So this guy listens only listens to Fox, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's been going on for many years. It's very well documented. Uh, that was ah, very well documented. Do you have canceled checks to show or something? Apparently, uh, certainly documentation. Yeah, originally and still to this day, uh, driven by fossil fuel company interests, who are the world's most profitable companies. Uh, and get ready for it. I mean, they're very happy. Thank you very much with the status quo. Okay. And so what? Okay. What are they saying in this disinformation campaign? Well, historically, this has been the key strategy. All along. And here's something that Michael Crichton uh, was talking about in 2005. In fact, it's a strategy that was lifted explicitly, directly out of the tobacco wars, which is make people think that the science is still unsettled. And if my perception is that the experts are still arguing over whether the problem exists, as a layperson, my tendency is to say, well, you know, I'll let them figure it out and, you know, I'll, I'll take this as uh, much more seriously once they they've reached their conclusion. So uh, so this, of course, is, you know, people who um, uh, said that, uh, you know, it's like they, they're basically they're, say, they're equating the tobacco industry to the fossil fuel industry. And yeah, that, that's a really good way to go. It's a now, very good I, way to I, go. I'm going to throw a couple of things in, if, unless you're still, unless you're right um, on the spot. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, well, I want to give you two more things because I, I figure you're just going to go off and I have a question for you, and I think we should do the test. 
the climate. Uh, well, the climate. I just wanna, okay, look, this interruption won't change right, anything. Please go. But the it, this idea of the oil companies, the oil companies are are money makers. There's no doubt about it. But what they do is they they mm-hmm. they, they drill holes and make money from what it comes out, and then they own the generally own the product when it should be shared in some instances, like it is in Alaska and Ecuador and places like that. But they, they, they've managed to, their evil, if anything, is the fact that they don't share the wealth. They are nothing like the, uh, the tobacco companies who are in front of Congress lying. In fact, the oil companies, having worked for one and then was an air pollution inspector at another one uh, for the government, I can say hey, honestly that they're not like that at all. They, 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 I, when I was working for them, uh, for Union Oil, they were all in on peak oil. Yeah, and they were discussing openly the the issues that you know what we're going to do in the future if things you know crap out, and uh, they they were not sitting around like these tobacco guys were, and it was only the tobacco executives that were you know ditching reports. There's no reports that they're hiding, and no. this is bull, bull crap, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yes. Go on. Uh, I want to take the test real quick with you. Don't worry, because based upon your answers, it won't be very long. But it's <laughs> it, so this is the test that they actually use to come up with this eight percent number which is why I thought it was interesting to take it. Um, so I have your age is 61, your gender male. What's your zip code? Is nine nine four one zero seven? Is that close enough? It's good enough. Okay. You can use any. Next number. question. Okay. Recently, you may have noticed that global warming has been getting some attention in the news. Global warming refers to the idea. This, by the way, is KQED. This is PBS. This is oh, your, our boys over here in San Francisco. Yeah, this is your public media online helping them with this bogativeness. Uh, okay, global warming refers to the idea that the world's average temperature has been increasing over the past 150 years, may be increasing more in the future, and the world's climate may change as a result. What do you think? Do you think that global warming is happening? Uh, answers, yes, no, don't know. I think it is. I would put yes on that because I think it's a cycle. I'm okay. a cycle guy. Yeah, yeah, good. Because of your last answer, you do not need to answer anything here. Please skip what? ahead to the next question. Oh, don't worry. Next question. Hold on. <laughs> don't have to do four. Uh, okay. If global warming is happening, do you think it is, one, caused mostly by human activities, two, caused mostly by natural changes in the environment, three, other, or four, none of the above because global warming isn't happening? I would say two. Natural changes to the environment. Okay, next question. How worried are you about global warming? Very worried, somewhat worried, not very worried, not at all worried. Not at all. Not at all worried. Okay, here we go. Because we're going to determine your category. How much do you think global warming will harm you personally? A great deal? A moderate amount? Not at all? Don't know. What? Wait, go those, is there not, read those again? So how much do you think global warming will harm you personally? A great deal? A moderate amount? Not at all? Or don't not know? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. What do you think, when do you think global warming will start to harm people in the United States? They are, so you see how they're leading you down a path now? You can't get oh, out, yeah. you now can't get out changed, of it. Oh, yeah. I've said it's not going to harm me, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're gonna, they're just, <laughs> it's like the EU like, having to revolt. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Let's uh, try you again on that question. <laughs> well, you do have some answers. Uh, they're, they are being harmed now, in 10 years, 25 years, 50 years, 100 years, or never. Well, I would say... Uh, Never, but I could also say they're being harmed now by the propaganda. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's not the right answer. So we'll say never. No, it's, it's specifically global warming, not the global warming propaganda. 
That would be a derivative of the global warming. We'll go to the next question. How much do you think global warming will harm future generations of people? See, you can't get out. You How already... many times do I have to answer the same question? Okay, a great deal, a me. moderate amount, not at all, or don't know? Not at all, I would presume, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I don't know either one. No, okay. How much had you thought about global warming before today? A lot, some, a little, or not at all? Not at all. Well, no, some, some, some. because we talk yeah, about Yeah, we it. talk about it. That's what I answered, too. How important is the issue of global warming to you personally? Extremely important, very important, somewhat important, not too important, not at all important. Well, because we discuss it so much <laughs> on the show, it's somewhat important. I, I answered this the same way. I answered honestly. I could easily change my mind about, about glo- global warming. Strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. Easily is the, is the operative uh, yes. word there. Yes, The operative adverb, I think. Um, I would say, read them again. Strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. I don't know. That was somewhat disagree. Mm-hmm. We're almost done. How many of your friends share your views on global warming? <laughs> None, a few, <laughs> some, most, or all? <laughs> some. Are you sure it's not a few? What's the difference between few. some and a few. a few? I think it's more a few than some. You're, yeah, you're yeah, in Berkeley. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm in the right. Yeah, right. If I was in Kansas City, I'd probably. Uh, who, who's calling me? Go away, you crazy. Global warm. Oh, which of the following statements comes closest to your view? Now, this is a big one. Global warming isn't happening. Humans can't reduce global warming, even if it is happening. Humans could reduce global warming, but people aren't willing to change their behavior, so they're not going to. Humans could reduce global warming, but it's unclear at this point whether we will do what's needed. Or humans could reduce global warming, and we're going to do so successfully. I would have that second answer. Humans can't do crap. Okay, even if it's happening? Okay, good. Got it. Do you think citizens themselves should be doing more or less to address global warming? Much more, more, doing the right amount, less or much less? So it's also a trick question. I would say less. Less. Okay. I wonder what category you're going to be in. We're about to find out. Over the past 12 months, how many times have you punished companies that were opposing steps to reduce global warming by not buying their products? Oh, that is disgusting. So you can do, say, never, once, a few times, several times, many times, or don't know. Isn't that a a horrible question? Why don't they ask the opposite question? Well, that, how many times do you punish companies that promote the global warmest agenda? Is that on there? <laughs> uh, let me see. Next Is that question. question on there? Let me see. Um, no. Do you think global warming should be a low, medium, high, or very high priority for the president and Congress? Low. Low. And the final question. People disagree whether the United States should reduce greenhouse gas emissions on its own or make reductions only if other countries do, too. Which of the following statements comes closest to your own point of view? The United States should reduce its greenhouse gas emissions, regardless of what other countries do, only if other industrialized countries, such as England, Germany, and Japan, reduce their emissions, only if other industrialized countries, developing countries, such as China, India, and Brazil, reduce their emissions, not at all, or don't know. Uh, Well, it doesn't hurt. But I'd say not at all in the, in so far as that question is concerned. Okay, not at all. And here we go. Your climate profile. <laughs> Guess what? What? John C. Dvorak, you are 
a dismissive. How can I be a dismissive? That's right. You're, you want? Would you like to know what this means? Because if I'm a dismissive, those earlier questions that I answered ambiguously don't are invalid. They, they don't count for anything. In the United States, the dismissives are mostly white, male, conservative, and Republican. They are politically active, strongly religious, and the group most likely identify themselves as born-again or evangelical Christians. Oh, what a crock that is. That doesn't apply to me in the least. It's all right. I'm the same. Amen. You came out as a dismissive? Duh. Amen, my brother. I can tell you what the answer should be for a dismissive. I think it's all bullshit. <laughs> People in the dismissive That's group dismissive. believe that global warming is not happening. And if it is, it is caused by natural changes in the environment. Most believe there is a lot of scientific disagreement about the issue. So let me just say something about this. Consensus is not science. Science is not consensus. Science is empirical fact with repeatable, repeatable processes. Not a model that predicts something like, you know, the children of Britain will never see snow except in a snow globe. Okay? It, science is not consensus. Am I wrong about this, John? No, it has to be repeatable and, yeah. and observable. And you can't, and everything like, in fact, we have it in the show notes. One of the, we had some, one of our listeners, oh, you guys are idiots for thinking that the world's not coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, and he went on about it. And, you know, I, I found it very insulting. Because of the way he, he phrases, but then again, email is naturally. Yeah, right, yeah, right, so, yeah. you know, I could be wrong, but I, I blew up. Yeah, you did. And, that was that was funny. Yeah, I know you get the biggest kick when I do that. So, <laughs> it's good. so I he, do it about once a month. I get on some poor guy's case. But there is an upside to all this. But, but let me finish the the one thing that we have in the show notes is the guy who went out and actually checked the tide the tides. He says. You can talk all you want about the these computer models. And by the way, we had a big fiasco recently about computer models and the world's economies because somebody had the wrong formula in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Whoops. This happens all the time. Yeah. Or how, or how about the remember the volcanic ash that erupted? It was going to it was going no all airplanes had to stop. No flying. We had to stop flying because it's going, the planes are going to be crashing everywhere. It was the most beautiful flying weather ever. Hey, remember that we <laughs> yeah, had we hilarious. had pilots emailing me, like yeah. this is crazy. It's it's fantastic here because they predicted where the cloud was going and they were wrong. Yeah, they can't even predict that, and so we have this these these problems. And of course, so the guy goes out and measures all the ties that are supposed to have gone up and down, and the rest, and he finds a lot of them are gone down. Yeah, and the tidal uh, differences, and he doesn't see it. He says, "I went out and looked. I went from you know he's a." big shot in this he goes around the world and he says i've not seen anything that they're talking about there's no evidence well and, there and, may be some reverse evidence yeah there, well there could be the global uh no cooling. well no there's a resolution in congress uh now resolution is not a law uh but it is uh, you know i guess it's to make everyone feel good so they can have a drink and say well good job joe good day at the office uh the resolution uh in congress says that climate change is forcing women into prostitution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I love this one. So, uh, well, there's an upside to everything. Yeah, where, so here it is, the resolution, whereas women will disproportionately face harmful impacts from climate change. Insecure women with limited socioeconomic resources may be vulnerable to situations such as sex work, transactional sex, 
which, by the way, is called marriage, okay? Let me just uh, define that for you. An early marriage to put them at risk of HIV. Oh, <laughs> you're going to be a whore and have AIDS because of climate change. This is insane. Okay, this is just insane. I love this thing. I'm glad you brought it up because I forgot about it. Yeah, you're going to be a whore with AIDS thanks to global warming. Woohoo! Uh, now, okay, so let's just follow the money for a moment. And this is, I think, where this guy messes up because I think he's lying, and I, I believe because you – you were much more involved uh, at the time because, of course, what this really, the way I see it, is the whole climate change thing, not about saving the earth. No one gives a crap about you or the earth. These guys don't care. It's about taking your money in the form of a tax, a carbon tax, and it will be for everything. Like, oh, you talk too much. You know, cut, we'll have to tax that. Australia now has this, so it's an actual tax. And from what I understand, the idea is to take that money and then go help the poor black children in Africa. But, of course, we do that with our American companies. We're not going to give them the big giant check, like, congratulations, kids, here's your check. Here's your money. Here's your money. No, no, no. You give it to American companies like Halliburton and uh, Bechtel, and you give it to all the big guys. This is what we do. We have war for the same reason. Okay, we go and... You know, shoot up Iraq. Why is we go rebuild it? Hey, good work, everybody. So here's where this guy screws up. And there's actually a historical precedent. We used to have a huge acid rain problem in this country. We created essentially a cap and trade system. Is that true? We had a cap and trade system for acid rain. Yeah. Where we capped the amount of of sulfur dioxide being emitted from these smokestacks, brought that cap down over years, and allowed companies to sell their emission rights between each other. So a company that was really good at reducing their emissions could sell that remaining block to another company that needed more time. It was one of the most successful programs in American history. It was put, it was put on the table and passed by a Republican president, uh, the first George Bush, uh, Bush Sr. Uh, and it solved the problem, or it largely solved the problem, at a cost far below what even the best estimates at the time were. So you're the expert here, John. How how is this cap and trade not the same cap and trade that is being discussed? Where I believe all the money is, and what this whole thing I is think about. You're right. And now there's evidence that the whole acid rain thing was a hoax. No, you don't say. And so uh, they, but I remember the era. It was everything. Sixty Minutes reports, and they would show, they would show some old statue in Italy. With it's just the face was dissolved like <laughs> from acid rain, acid rain, and the buildings were all falling apart from acid rain. Wait a minute, I gotta find, I gotta find that statue in Italy. Acid face rain. eaten off acid rain. Like I'm sure it's on. Uh, and on so once they put the cap and trade in, all these stories ended. The, the success of the whole thing was to get this in place, and it then became some sort. It became systemized. I think right now because there's such resistance. Eight percent is a lot of people that are, uh, and apparently, if I'm categorizing it to get the number up to eight percent by putting me in the dismissive uh, category yeah, instead yeah. of the, uh, it indicates that they're freaked. So, what they're here's what the goal is: you put a, you get the cap and trade, you get the carbon tax, you get all that in. Nothing really changes, and it, and we point this out. We've pointed it out before, and it should be pointed out the same thing with acid, acid rain cap and trade is an insincere version of, of, of a solution because if you think there's a problem, you cap. You don't trade. Right. You just say, you, we got too much of this, too much of that. We can't do it anymore. You cap it. That's what air pollution laws did. No, 
you're getting fined if this comes out of that smokestack. You can't trade the pollution for some other place that's not polluting. You know, pollution does it. The, the general pollution laws don't have cap and trade. Cap and trade doesn't change anything. It just creates a new system of passing money around. The, the idea, it seems to me, is to get a cap and trade in place and then you just stop talking about it and then 10 years down the road you say man that cap and trade worked like a champ the global warming is over yeah and and okay and so and i'll pile on with you and i'll say the reason why they need to do it now is because we're going into a little mini ice age we are going into a true global cooling and they need to do it now before otherwise you can't do that you can't claim victory in a couple of years no you have to get this done yeah here's the true climate change right here this thing, this thing is making climate change happen in Austin, Texas. I'll tell you that. This rain stick today, again, sixty-five degrees, rain. It's fantastic. Love it. <laughs> Austin's gonna be washed down the road. Are you on a hill? Are you high enough that the floods won't? Get, yeah, we're good. Get you? Yeah, we're totally good. We're good here. So I think I think that uh, there is a concerted effort to categorize all alternative media as uh, crazy conspiracy. Uh, Theory, conspiracy, oh, industry. Like, uh, Alex, the Alex Jones guy, the seed you, guy. You, you, got, you know, I listen to Alex. We get these letters. <laughs> yeah. I listen to Alex Jones. So you guys are like Alex Jones, aren't you? How come you don't mention Alex Jones? But why don't you play some Alex Jones clips? clips. <laughs> We're not playing an Alex Jones clip. <laughs> and so it's like, but I, we also get letters that say, you know, I've listened to you guys and I listen to Alex Jones and. I don't listen to Alex Jones anymore. Yeah, we have, luckily we get more of those, I'll say. Yes, luckily God. we get more of those. And the reason why we can have this conversation like this and the reason why we're not profiled as morons is, A, we're not morons. Two, this is... The best podcast in the universe. And three, we have our value for value model, which means people who like listening to our analysis who do not want to be who know that we're not compromised by disinfo campaign from big uh, polluters because if we were i'd be rich think about think about it can we get oh yeah no we'd be rolling in dough oh, and we, we are the perfect yeah, you guys. would be bitching about your used car <laughs> no <laughs> no i would not no did you see that tweet which one? So okay, so I uh, I finally got it together. Did I, wait a minute, let me get this. Let me let me let's use that as the beginning of the show. <laughs> Did you see that tweet? Did you see oh, that tweet? Please. <laughs> okay. Well, here's what happened. Um. So I uh, I I I guess it didn't work last time, but finally I figured out I I did the online thing to get rid of the Range Rover, which is you know the the tires are now square. You know, it's under the oak tree. It's filled with goop. You know, it won't start anymore. You know, it's got lemon. Cars don't take long to start to fall apart if you just leave them alone. Yeah, well, I wrote lemon on the side, as you suggested, to see yes. if, uh, if if Range Rover USA would do something. They didn't. Of course, they didn't see it because you get the thing under an oak tree. And uh, and so you complete the process. And I did it with the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Lemon. <laughs> this was your suggestion. No, it's a really good idea, but you're supposed to drive it around. Oh, well, so I did. I, I did. It, I, I donated it to the Make a Wish Foundation. I worked with them before. I think they're a pretty good organization. You yeah, know me. I check all those forms and everything. See if they're not like total a holes. And I, I've done stuff for. You know, it's like kids who are dying who have a wish. Huh. Come on. 
And um, and so I complete the process, and I, you know, it's like one of those things where you you click the last button, and that actually sends out a tweet, which I didn't really, you know, it's like okay, whatever. And so it sends out a tweet. I donated my car to Wheels for Wishes to help make a wish to, to help make a wish come true for a local child. I'm like, uh, okay. But then I get this tweet from Love Luck Liberty. Uh, you got your pathetic 1500 deduction, but loaded up more debt for the poor to make up for it. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? <laughs> That's hilarious. How, how in the world does my if- tax deduction of $1,500 load up more debt for the poor? <laughs> You, you bastard. <laughs> you a-hole. <laughs> how, how does that work, John? Clap, Please. Clap. What did I not, what am I doing wrong? What did I not? Uh, what you're doing wrong is having assholes like that <laughs> paying attention to them. Wow. Yeah. So that that really hurts. I'm like, oh, humanity is gone. It's just, <laughs> this is not good. This humanity, it's over. Yeah, that's my big $1,500 deduction. Woo. Look out, everybody. Here I come. Yeah, the country's going down the tubes because of that. Yeah. Um, let's thank uh, let's thank a few producers. Yes, we do. Oh, and I'd, I'd like to. Couple- <clears throat> I want to read a, yeah. a quick note from um, um, Sir Doctor Sharkey. Okay, and he says uh, I I've listed my executive producer status on my LinkedIn page, and he wants us to know he's gotten more messages asking about that credit than anything else. So this is this is good information. That's because, great information. Because we always tell people that these are real credits. You can put them on your IMDb, on your wiki page, and you can put it on your business card. But put it on your LinkedIn profile, and apparently you get a lot of heat for a lot of action. And this guy's a, a successful doctor. Oh, okay. I think everyone out there who's got a LinkedIn account uh, should do that. Yeah, it's a very good idea. And and I think there's a way. Don't we have a no agenda LinkedIn thing so we can all LinkedIn to, to the there LinkedIn? There is a link. There is a club, yeah. Yeah, okay. So LinkedIn to the club. I'm not. I'm. I'm on, but I never look at it. So. Well, yeah, but you put it on your bio. That's where you put the uh, yeah. credit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we have a number of executive producers. One with an extremely long note, which I feel obliged to read. Oh, very good. Uh, uh, and this is Thomas Badrick in New Jersey, who sent in four eight three fifty. And this note to me is highly entertaining. It's a little long, but here we go. Dear Jordan and Albania, I'm sorry. Sorry to admit it's been a while since I've dropped a donation. I was considering giving you guys a cut of my tax break this year, but PayPal doesn't take kindly to negative integers. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I've been a bit reluctant, but after a short conversation, I have the sense he talks like this. Suffice it to say, I've had a bit, been a bit reluctant, but after a short conversation in the barber's chair this morning, I was reminded that despite of all the unconventional and sometimes off-kilter ideas that sometimes get fired around on the best podcast in the universe, the news, the general public swallows, is batshit insane. In fact, I thought I'd share. Here's the Boston incident in a nutshell, according to my barber. <laughs> okay, this will be good. <laughs> Here we go. The younger brother and the older brother, names not given, lived with their mother and grew up on welfare. They received free food, free education, and a free ride through college with straight A's because that's what affirmative action does. <laughs> they were all illegal immigrants and had been on the terrorist watch list since birth. <laughs> yes, birth. Wait, hey, let's write that one down. After the bombing, which was likely some sort of, sort of depleted uranium dirty bomb, the police chased them through town, gunned down one, and ran him over twice to make sure he was dead. 
then the other brother killed two cops, stole a police car, then hid in a boat while he tried to build more bombs with the boat engine. Then tried to kill himself via bullet to the head, but he didn't know where his brain was, so he shot himself in the throat. And after some of the best health care in the world, he's now in good health and boxing in an amateur circuit with the pseudonym Cornflake. Also, the mother does not wish to bury her dead son because the state won't cover the funeral expenses, so she will probably donate his body to science. On the bright side of all this crazy, my haircut came out just fine. <laughs> yeah. And I believe, by the way, that that sort of thing is exactly what... I'm, I'm amazed that uh, Thomas didn't send him, send us like his entire life savings after that. <laughs> it, was, it had to be the most entertaining thing he's heard for a We're, while. This may be his life savings, by the way. What am I saying? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. You need some karma if you would. Hell uh, yeah. Thank you so much. What a, what a great note, too. You've got... He's actually kind of from my old uh, stomping grounds there in Jersey. Makes sense. Jersey guys, they got their heads on straight. Just got to remind them where it is from time to time. William Owen, Sir Doug, uh, in uh, floating around the military. I'd like to thank you guys for the great shows. I have one complaint. My karma didn't work. It took an oh. extra week getting back from Afghanistan, which I didn't get to spend with my wife as she used her leave oh, days. Oh, crap. Yeah, they, they saw this. They saw the computer. Said, "Hey, look at this." <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's. Hey, this Doug guy. This he's this Sir Williams. He's 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 gonna meet up with his wife. You can see. Look, look here on the computer. And, and you know what they do then? To, you know what happens? Screw him. You know what happens to him? Wait a week. You know what happens then? They do uh, porn pop-ups. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's like all of a sudden you get all kinds of porn advertising when they do that to you. Which I didn't get to spend with my wife as she used her leave days. We uh, had to stay in Manas, a military version of purgatory. The only reason I can think of is that my name was incorrectly spelled as Onis, O-W-N-E-S. Oh, did I do that? Credits. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm an a-hole. So perhaps it went to the wrong per yeah, person. Yeah, probably. Coincidentally, this is what my wife sings instead of Mrs. Jones in Billy Paul's Me and Mrs. Jones. So I, sir, I don't understand that sentence but i sir doug that once called upon uh, once called upon uh, once called a sand sailor uh which apparently the navy is a term in the navy uh, people call the navy guys request a human resource creation karma as well as a sight unseen house buying karma may i ask time permitting will griggs from freedom in our time works on your same value for value principle documenting the rising police state and need support check him out uh, and support griggs Okay. Uh, I guess our time is a uh, podcast. Okay. So I don't know. So and first, then he's got some ring sizes. All right. So first yeah. of all, first of all, uh, I, I feel very bad about this. So I'm going to give you both some extra karma that's coming. And I will sing, me and Mrs. Mrs. Owns. Mrs. Owns. Mrs. Owns. Mrs. Owns. You've got karma. There you go. I'm so sorry. And we'll do it properly this time in the end. Uh, so it, it, but he already is a. He already is a. An, oh, he he's already he already is a knight. Yes, yeah, Sir Doug. Of course, he already is a knight. Yes, yeah, Sir Doug. All right, cool. And now we've got. Uh, do we have his wife uh, for the birthday? Double check. Double check. Double check. Uh, no. No. Gen Jennifer. Let's see. No, or do we? Where does it say that in there? I didn't see it. It says, either. "Please wish my wife Ariel a happy oh, birthday." Oh, there it is at the end. Yeah. So, okay. Well, she's on now. Well, she is now. Well, we caught it. Uh, okay. 
Because we have uh, this. Is this this is the first time that uh, Jennifer is doing the uh, Jesse Jennifer Jesse Jesse's doing the show notes. Well, actually, JC is training her because he's going to be at some hack fest or something next week. I like Jesse already. A hackathon. I like had Jesse already. Uh, that's uh, that's the future Mrs. Buzzkill Junior. That's what everyone assumes. That's yeah. what they say. <laughs> right. We'll Fo- foolish kids. kids. I like I like her. Kids. Yeah, stupid kids. I like her already because she has a, a nicer font. <laughs> Did you notice that? No. Yeah, she got a nicer font in the spreadsheet. It's easier, it's yeah. easier to read. Yeah, I like her. Uh, now we go to associate executive producers. We've got three, including Melody Mann, who is uh, parts unknown. Alf Morgan. This is, this is a call out for Jim Mann's birthday tomorrow. We'll probably celebrate with a lovely mac and cheese, but since we listen to the best podcast in the universe, we won't drink the Kool-Aid. Ha <laughs> ha. Adam, could you please do your hilarious German accent? It cracks Jim up. What did do it now or when it, when I it's congratulate it? At the end of the thing, you can read. But you will he, you, you'll just do it when you feel like it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do the German thing when I uh, when I congratulate it. Okay, let me make a note. Note German note. accent. Okay, Stephen Vanderhaave, Sir Stephen, to you and me in Belhaven, North Carolina, two eight four nine five. Interesting numbers today. I think we have a note from him, which I'll dig. There, it was a, you're you're really you know today you're really crappy, am I? Yeah. Uh, Why? You're like in and out. Oh, this the, the, you're talking about the connection. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I would never say that to you just like that, yeah, honey. Would. I would never say that. Um, you want? Yeah. To reconnect. Yeah, I want to call me back. Call me back, will you? Uh, suck. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll look up. Uh, Stephen von der Hafer's message, which I have right here. There we go. I got Stephen's note. In the morning, sending you some cash in lieu of blankets and water. Sorry for not donating as often, but with the tax increases since January 1st, $100 have va- over $100 have vanished from my paycheck and put it in the government coffers. We'll strive to continue to just get by, and whatever extra dollars I have on hand uh, will be sent to you. Uh, and it looks like... He will be a uh, count today. Are you with me, John? Yeah, okay. I, you know, I, I would just, I just witnessed what you're always talking about. Helium? No, no, no. The helium is some. That, that's an anomaly we haven't had for a while. No, where you started off sound like you're an AM radio disc jockey, <laughs> which I am, <laughs> and it ratcheted. It went up a little better, yeah. a little better, and now you're clear as a bell. Yeah, well, but I am an AM disc jockey. Yeah, well, that's the irony. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, is Vanderhoff the one who wants to be the count? Uh, yeah, yeah, he wants to be. He wants to be the Count oh, de Monet. Right, and we, <laughs> as we all groaned, <laughs> oh, okay. Dinner last night, we said, "Well, it was bound to happen sooner or later. Sooner, better than later." <laughs> so he's going to be the Count de Monet. <laughs> count de Monet. <laughs> Uh, would someone in our chat well, room last- please just go in and just kick a whole bunch of a-holes out? Just kick them out. Just kick them out. Be, uh, do, be, like, be more like Twit. Be more like Leo. Kick him out. Kick, kick, kick. John Hui Fu from Singapore, 22044. Thanks for the excellent show, and he needs some karma. Yeah, absolutely. Coming your way. You've got karma. And that will be uh, our executive and associate executive producers for show 
509 to go to Dvorak.org slash NA. Sorry. Channel what? No, I said sorry. I, I have things to say. I just, I, sorry. I, Chan, channel Dvorak.com's NA, uh, No Agenda Show has a button, and so does uh, Channel or uh, No Agenda Nation.com. And uh, we have been very light on Sundays, and we'd appreciate anybody who helps us out in the next couple of days. And uh, special thanks to all of our artists, again, coming in with fantastic art at noagendaartgenerator.com. Sir Paul Couture has been uh, working diligently to get people cleared to post on the site. It's uh, Because, of course, you know, it's, it's one of those No Agenda sites. It's so well known. It gets hammered with spam. All of our sites, by the way, just get hammered. Just, you know, whether it's DDoS or China bots, I mean, we get hammered. It's part of being successful, I guess. So it's, uh, and of course, you know, the, the emails don't show up, but he's trying to do what he can. Special thanks to Melissa Schultz Jones for uh, the artwork on episode 508. Couple of PR mentions. I have my new box. Did you get the, the box, John? I got the, uh, the No Agenda CDs are out, the new one. No, I haven't got that yet. And uh, I did, I do want to mention that I don't know what the value is. But uh, oh, and I forgot the I don't, don't put the name down of the uh, the jerky company uh, in uh, Michigan that sent me some cheese and beef jerky. Oh, I didn't get any cheese. And the and cheese I guess was from mac and cheese. Oh. Uh, it had a mac and cheese style. So you can go to uh, noagendacd.com and you can uh, download the uh, the digital copies along with the artwork. Nice artwork, by the way. Uh, you know, as as we requested, no date. Don't don't say like this is the you know the the March update or anything. It just says free. Take one. Uh, it has a uh, mac and cheese on it. Has uh, hookers with Bitcoin and has uh, what is that? Uh, hookers with Bitcoin. And take the red pill. Uh, NoAgendaShow.com. Really good. Re- really appreciate that. Miss Mickey loves that. She, you know, uh, she just takes a stack of them and is handing them out everywhere. She's <laughs> she has no shame. Like I'm going to the dentist for my cleaning. I'm taking some CDs. Uh, awesome. Good. And this weekend, uh, first- and why should you have? There's nothing to be ashamed about handing out discs. No. No. In fact, you're giving people free free stuff. You give them the free stuff, and they can listen to the disc, and then they have a disc holder. As a bonus. Or a, a coaster. Either way. It's great. Andrew Gardner, who is the No Agenda Racing Team, will be racing this weekend. Uh, he'll be racing New Jersey Motorsports Park. If anyone's in the area, it'll be good to hear a few in the mornings while he's out on the track with the new faster bike. He is uh, extremely strapped for cash right now, but uh, he loves some karma for a good race weekend. Of course, he is always propagating the formula. And uh, it's best when he crashes because we're also on the bottom of the bike, so you really see it then. So we don't want you to crash, but you don't want him to you crash. We want him to win. You know, also, when he does a wheelie is when you can when see it really full, well. It, the, the wheelie works and also in a full uh, turning mode where yeah. you're leaned way yeah. over and your yeah. knee is bouncing off the asphalt. Yeah, when you're, you're, with the, you're rubber with knee the guard. guard. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, so please, as John said, Sundays are very slow for us, but we're still there. We're still working for you. We're still the, dissecting everything and and doing uh, doing what you expect us to do here on the podcast. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And, of course, we always have one thing everyone should go out and do, and that is... Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And I'm 
almost forgot to say in the morning to you, John C. Devorah. In the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the water, subs in the air, and all the knights and dames out there. Yes, indeed. And I'm not saying in the morning to the chat room because they're, they're it's douche. They're day. acting like the douche. It's, that... it's douche day in the in the chat room. <laughs> God knows. God knows what's going on. Uh, can we do a little break here and talk a little bit about the EU? Oh, please. Because we've got to deconstruct some stuff going on with the Boston bombers. Well, hold on a second. Or, or maybe we need to do uh, uh, this one. You're a spy! <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten about that one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. That's oh, by the way, before we go into anything, so we have no I have advertisers. To say, I have a problem. I got to resolve it. Oh, can I help? Uh, I have a, a you, you see, there's a musical song on here. The uh, this this song here, the Frankie Avalon's "Dee Dinah." Yes. And, and here's what's happened. But this started about two weeks ago. I'd either wake up in the morning or I'd start to hear the song in my head. Not you, like I'm oh, hearing wait, it. I just started. Oh, it's yeah. one of those things. It's a, one of those you keep hearing. It's like when you can't, the tune, you can't get out of your brain. Yes. And I thought that about, a, about I don't know, five or six days ago, it, it disappeared. And then it came back again today. I don't know if they're beaming at me or what the deal is. It's not a, you know, it's a song from the 50s. And it's a stupid song. And so, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're now going to do the courtesy of putting this stupid song in everyone else's head? Is that the idea? I just want to know if anyone else has, will ever, if this is some recurring, I don't know why it even showed up in my brain. <laughs> I do. You guessed it right, brother. That's <laughs> right. Beaming at me. Oh my God! Your brain is mush. This is what this is what you wake up singing in your head. I'm sorry, because you know. So um, I think I mentioned this after sometime midway. I know actually I remember exactly where it was. We were in Moab in Utah on the on the last Hot Pockets tour. This started happening to me. I've never had this in my life where I couldn't get stuff out of it. And uh, it's it, it, what it started with was with Dvorak. this. Org. Slash N A, and you know, I'd, and and I'm not quite sure why, but I'd be, you know, I'd be like getting the trailer unhitched or whatever, and I, I just couldn't like it would, and I'd have to like stop and <gasps> take a deep breath, or or here's what I'd usually do if you have a song stuck in your head, and, and by the way, it happens every day to me now. Every day I wake up with a song in my head, every single day. It, it's not this. <laughs> You want to hear the song that uh, that I woke up with this morning? Yeah. Okay. A night before, a and a That's where we spend New York, man. Right on. You see, no What's the matter, y'all? That's what that's what I woke up. How can you even have that song in your head? Well, there's no. I I I well the the hook is uh, cocaine running around my brain, but I had that in my head because of Boston. I'm not getting that connection because I can't understand the lyrics of the song, but that's just me. Okay, so it's, uh, how do you spell New York, Jim? And the guy goes, N-E-W-Y-O-R-K. He said, no, man, no, Jim, i tell you how you spell New York, man. A knife, a fork, a bottle, and a cork. That's the way you spell New York right on. See, 
<laughs> That's Dillinger cocaine around my brain. And the reason why is because we had this Danny, Danny the secret China man, who I think is the same guy who was Syrian's Danny, uh, now being interviewed as the, the guy who uh, the, uh, the extremists uh, carjacked. Did you see this? They've interviewed him now. Does that make any sense when he wanted to really pretty much remain anonymous and be called Danny? Well, they've interviewed. This is the new uh, journalism. Uh, the way you do it is you you get the silhouette and then you turn a vocoder on his voice. So so now everything is like, uh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> uh, I have uh, proof that this actually happened. Uh, I'm a whistleblower and uh, I'm doing the interview now. So this is the new journalism. And he and so so the, the reason why this was stuck in my head and here, uh, we can play it. Do you want to listen to a little bit of this interview with uh, with Danny? Yeah, play a little right. bit. This is CBS News, the Tiffany Network, who now gets someone, a uh, silhouette who talks like this. And that is now uh, your, your witness. Because, of course, everyone knows you have to protect the guy who was carjacked. Why? I don't know. Good evening. You're about to hear for the first time from a man who got caught up in the terror in Boston two weeks ago and helped bring it to an end. An immigrant from China. He was carjacked by the suspects, but he escaped and tipped off the police. He worries even now for his safety, so we concealed his identity and altered his voice. Why is he afraid for his safety? This is what I don't understand. This sounds bogative. Why do you think he's afraid for his safety? <laughs> Why? I have no idea. I mean, I, 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 I'm asking. I really don't understand. I don't know why he's afraid of his safety. I mean, people it just makes zero sense. But I mean, play, he's, he's, see he, what he has yeah, to say. But he's going to have to testify at a certain point. He's going to have to say, yeah, they carjacked me. They took my car, my brand new 2013 Mercedes SUV. I have a technology company. I am a China man. John Miller has the interview. This 26-year-old Chinese entrepreneur, who calls himself Danny, had just pulled over in his new Mercedes on this Boston street to send a text message when a man... I think the guy's smuggling horse or something. He's not an entrepreneur. He's a drug Don't dealer. Most Mercedes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, sell, lock when you, when you put it in drive and start driving? Not the 2013 model, it doesn't. Yeah, I bet, I bet you 10 bucks it does. No, dude, I bought Mickey a car from 2005. It has that. It's a Ford. Please. Jumped in. I thought it's just a robbery, you know. A robbery. So you can't so, jump in a Mercedes. No, it's You can't car. jump in the backseat of Mercedes. Oh. Are, you already, are you already... It's are, locked. Are you already ruining the whole interview? Just because, you know, it can't happen that way? Oh. He took out his gun, pointed to me, hit at me like... Uh, you know, I'm serious. Why does he have Don't a German studied. accent? <laughs> what is the point? <laughs> Let's listen to that again. Hold on a second. The street to send a text message when a man jumped in. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He stopped. Let me, just, let me check. The guy just jumped in in the locked Mercedes. This Boston street to send a text message uh -huh. when a man jumped in. I thought he's just a robbery, you know. Lobbery. So, but he took out his gun, pointed to me, hit at me like, uh, you know, I'm serious. Don't be stupid. But Danny quickly realized this was more than just a robbery. <laughs> he asked me a question like, mm, do you know the Boston explosion on Monday? I said, yeah, yes. And then, you know, I get that, and I just killed a policeman in Cambridge. 
The gunman was Tamerlan Cernea. Yeah, this is exactly so the guy. He, he jumped into the locked Mercedes and said, hey, you know the Boston uh, bombing? I did that, and I killed some cops, too. <laughs> he and his younger brother, Joe Har, loaded their remaining bombs into Danny's car. The two men spoke to each other. Oh, so hold, pop the trunk, will you, Danny? I got to load some bombs in your car. So are they lugging these bombs around? And this is like the next night they've been lugging these yeah. bombs all over the place. In in uh, no agenda shopping bags, I think they had the, the so the you know they had the egg thirty three coming the, out soon. Yes, they had the four elbow pipe bombs and a pressure cooker in Russian. Do you understand any of okay, the words in their conversation? I only heard one word. It's uh, Manhattan. So this is why I, I woke up with a it. Because they're talking in Russian. This guy's Chinese, and and apparently he heard them say Manhattan, which of course no one says Manhattan. The only no one said you say I'm going to New York City. You don't say I'm going to Manhattan. Nobody says Manhattan. nope. Manhattanites don't say Manhattan. It's the city. So this is lies. Manhattan. Yeah. Did it seem like they were going there? Yeah, it seemed like they were going to New York. Because um, he asked me a lot of questions. En route to a gas station, Danny's phone rang. It was his roommate who wondered why he wasn't home. Tamerlan. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, okay. My His roommate. That's a gay Chinese entrepreneur now. Pulled the gun out. If you don't want me to pick up the phone, I want to pick it up. I want to say anything. So um, he told me that you have to answer his phone, but if you say any single word in Chinese, I will kill you right now. Sounds like a Chinese guy. He is Chinese. So when your roommate hears you speaking in English, does he answer in English? He answered in Chinese. Saying was, what? He was like, why? Why are you speaking in English? Are you okay? Is everything okay? Why are you speaking English? You okay? Everything okay? Or do you have a gun to your head maybe? By Russians who are going to Manhattan? I think maybe you okay here? Okay. And uh, I, I, I just told him, uh, I'm going to sleep over in some, some my friend's place tonight. <laughs> what happens then? So after I humped the phone, mm, Tamlin was very happy. I said, mm, good job, good boy. Good job, good boy. <laughs> boy. So at some point, you start thinking... I need and and why does he call him Tamlin at that point? Why is he? Doesn't he say the guy or the hijacker or the carjacker or the killer? Says Tamlin was happy. He said, "Good job, good boy." That's weird. No, I got. I was looking at my list of stuff and I'm and I was listening to that clip at the same time. Why did he call his roommate? No, his roommate called him because he was oh, worried he wasn't home. Why didn't home. he just put it to vo the voicemail? Why didn't because he, just he said, "You want me to answer the phone?" The guy said, "Yeah, you answer the phone." But if you talk in Chinese, I'll blow your brains out. So I'm just going to force this. This doesn't sound right. Uh, it, John, it's the whole thing is bogus. It gets even worse. Exit strategy here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need I need to figure out a way, you know, to save myself. I have a lot of things to do. I have to unlock the door. I have to unfasten my seatbelt. See, he's thinking next. But now, of course, the door is locked. He says, I, to get out, I have to unlock the door, unfasten my seatbelt, because the doors lock automatically when you're driving. I have to pour the handle on the door. Pour the handle. At the gas station, Johar left the car to pay. Tamerlan was fiddling with the GPS. I thought they shot up the gas station. Isn't that how they found him? They had, he had... Uh, he was, like, shooting up the gas station. No, no, no. I never heard that oh, okay. And he knew this might be his last chance. How do you do that in your head? Do you say one, two, three? Ah, 
Do you say one, two, three, John? What do you think? Do you say one, two, three? No. What do you say? I would point at the other. I, I don't know how you get out of a car. You say one, two, three. You unlock car, pull handle, and, and fasten sipa. First, you have to unlock the car, which is a little. Well, I guess you'd let the other guy out so the car oh, is just, unlocked. You just, just pull give the, him the brake on that. You just put, no, so, he said you have to unlock the car. It's bullcrap. You pull the handle, it opens. I mean, cars. No, no, that's not, not, that's not always true. Oh, In a Mercedes? I mean, you're, you're prob- you pull the handle, the door is unlocked. He's driving. Oh, no, I thought you were talking about while well, he's in the gas station. No, he has, he's talking about he has to get out. No, the, the, the Tomalar, Joe Carr, Tomalar, whatever, he's, he's out of the, he went to pay. The other guy's still in the car. Yeah, but you said he's still driving, but he's, he, they stopped at the gas station. Yes. <coughs> Joker got out. Yeah. <laughs> Lamar. Point, he uh, unlocked the door so Joker could get out. He just said, I, I'm thinking I have to unlock door, undo seatbelt, pull handle. It, always, it has to have been, a, he. Pull okay. handle. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he doesn't count to three. Uh-uh. Our Chinese friend is very smart. I was counting. I was counting. Count, one, two, three, four. Ah, one, two, three, four. Okay, strategy. This is <laughs> this is the ancient art of Chinese strategy. I just do it. Do it. Uh, one, two, three, four. And I can feel Tamron was trying to grab me. <laughs> so you're going. He's reaching out. Yeah. I. And now you're running. I was running. I was just going as fast as I can. And then he ran across the street, and the guy didn't shoot him or anything. He's, you know, he's shooting cops, he's blowing up people, but he didn't shoot him. Never, never look back. He ran across the street to this <laughs> station and pleaded with the clerk to call 911. Carjacking occurred at Richie Shell, 1001 Cambridge Street. The uh, victim fled the car at the Holborn Memorial Drive. You- I love that, how they put that in as proof. You know, like that happened. But they changed the story because before he ran <laughs> in and hid in the closet. Yeah, no, no. Hello, hello. Why are you buzz killing everything? You you're not allowed to do this. This is you can't break the story like that. This is this changing is, it. This is the real guy, Danny. That's his real name, and he count one, two, three, four. You hadn't escaped. Call nine one one and put police on the trail of these bombers. Um, that bad things would have happened. Bad I mean, you are a hero in this story. A hero! I uh, don't think I'm a hero. Hero! You know, because what I was trying to do is just trying to save myself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I did something, probably did something good. And uh, I think the police, they, they are the hero. They exchanged the gunfires with those bad guys. Uh. I think they, they are the heroes. Now, listen to how this report ends up. It is, this is really... To me, it was a big, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is all bullcrap, guys. So Danny felt lucky to get out of this alive and in one piece. His car, the 2013 Mercedes SUV, was not so lucky, Scott. Police used its GPS to track it to where they cornered them. In the shootout, it sustained 32 bullet holes, so the Daimler leasing company says a month and a half into the deal, Danny's car is a total loss. And you know what? He's okay with that. Yeah. Really? <laughs> He's okay. Some with people that. will do anything to get out of a lease, won't they? It's crazy. He's okay with that. They should have said 33 bullet holes, though. That was a little disappointing. So there you go. That's the new journalism, people, is you, you get a guy. Uh, one, two, three, four. And then you throw in some cop sounds. You got a guy over at the, at the mobile station. 
So what's your uh, what's the what's the license plate on your uh, on the car on your new car that one you just bought? The license plate you want the the real license plate? Just off the top of your head, what is it? BYC one seven a seven one seven zero three. I know it's like seven one zero three something like that. Why? Because I'm wondering how they got. They knew where the GPS was on this car. I'm, they had full crap. They have no idea. They they reverse tracked the GPS. Sure, sure they did. Yeah, and the only reason I know the plates is because I had to put them on. They came in the mail yesterday. I can never remember my plates. No, it's seven three zero one. Yeah, it's BYC seven three zero one. Okay, you can come shoot me if you want. Go ahead. I'll no, be, it's going to track be, you. I'll be ready Where for you. Where is he going now? <laughs> well, it's Mickey's car. <laughs> Where, Where is like, she going now? What? Where is she going there? <laughs> well, that's weird. Yeah, it's weird. He's going to some weird place. Why is he getting his nails done? <laughs> he must be a faggot. Oh, wait a minute. It says here in the Intel sheet, he's bi-curious. Which, by the way, I'm I'm upset. How come the president doesn't come back and restart news conferences when I come out as bi-curious? No, no, no. When some basketball player has to say he's gay, then it's like a big deal. What is going on with the world? What what kind of distraction is this? Am I missing something here? Who gives a crap? That's all a plot to get Obama to admit it. Uh, to get Obama what? To admit he's gay. Listen to this. This is Spike Lee and Anderson Pooper. Our gay, known gay players playing professional sports. And I think that what Jason Collins did is give them maybe... The same courage for them to do the same thing. So I would say in the coming next few months, Jason Collins will not be the only one who will step forward and say, you know, how he's living. Uh, the tide of history is moving forward. The tide of history oh, is moving forward. The, hook, right? <laughs> so, uh, the tide of history so is Collins, moving forward. He talks, he says, yeah, I, I say a bunch of half the basketball. He's looking around. The way he says about half the basketball players are gay. So he comes out and he says, I, I, let's, get, let's all admit it. So he says, so I, I look around and no one's doing anything. So I, I admit it. And so <laughs> then he says, then he looks around again. And he says, this fuck, nobody, still nobody wants to come out. That's funny. He felt like an idiot. You know, he has a so, twin brother who's also, oh, really? who was also a ball player. Yeah, I didn't know this. Huh. Jason has a brother, Jaron, who uh, wasn't as successful. And I thought maybe it's like the ball. He, uh, Jason played for the Celtics, but he's like a free agent. He's like, he's no one cares about him. He's not like a star player. And who cares? Who ca- Why is this a big deal? Why do we all care all of a sudden? It's so courageous, and the tide of history is moving forward. What? The tide of history. What? Yeah, Anderson Cooper, who who refused to come Took out. forever. He, and still kind of, you know, only because he was doing a talk show. They did that, and then the talk show failed. He's probably regretting it. It's like, why do we, I don't understand why we care. Well, let's get back to the topic of Boston. Okay. Since we do right. I'm sorry. You're right. Through. I got a lot of Boston crap. Uh, well, let me go. Yeah, I wanted go. to do Europe, but we'll do Europe after Boston. Oh, we can do, you want to do Europe? No, let's do, we can do Europe. No, I don't want I want to get, stay on this on this thread. Okay. Because everyone's going to think. I, here's the one that, this is the one that got me the most. You know, the FBI, We I, I was looking for the clip. I couldn't find it, but I'll. Maybe, you know, I, ha- maybe I have it. No, it's the clip from a couple of weeks ago that I had from the whistleblower who whose first advice to anybody who's going to become a whistleblower is don't talk to the FBI. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they just set you up because it's easier on them to find. So they got the – because it looks good on their numbers. So they got these three – what somebody aptly described as knuckleheads. 
who ditched <laughs> the uh, the bag. And here's the the clip I have here: students and their visa moment clip. And this is the one I didn't realize. This is the only report I heard where they actually explained the visa violation, which was just bogus. Now, this is the uh, the kids who uh, have been arrested, these three additional? Yeah, the three kids have been arrested were all students at Dartmouth, and they had uh, apparently friends with uh, with the Joker. And they went to his place because he told them to go there and take whatever they wanted, and which, who knows, that could have been code, but we don't know. But in the cases, they grabbed his, uh, his uh, laptop and his backpack, which had supposedly the backpack had a bunch of uh, uh, fireworks in it, which I don't know who carries a backpack with that. But anyway, the story. Uh, in the moments after these hearings end. Brian, let me just ask you quickly. Uh, I think it's just important as people are tuning in just to reset exactly how authorities uh, were tipped off that these three, I don't want to say involved, but have information regarding uh, after these bombs went off here on Boylston Street. We know they were taken in, they were questioned, there were some uh, student visa issues, um, and then now facing federal charges. Take me back to, to the very beginning, if you will. Well, at the very beginning, Brooke, you know, they were, they were rounded up on April 19th, which was the day that Jahar Sarnayev was captured. They were rounded up uh, from their residence uh, near the UMass Dartmouth campus in New Bedford. Um, it was the, the two uh, suspects, the first two suspects, the Kazakhstan students and another person were rounded up. They were brought in for questioning. They were then released that night because uh, of a lack of evidence. They were then um, taken into custody again over that weekend, either on the 20th or the 21st, and the two Kazakhstan students, Diaz Kadarbayev and Azamat Taziakov, were... Um were arrested and charged with visa violations. They they violated the, allegedly violated their student visas by not going to class. Now they have been held <laughs> since that time, and they had a, an immigration hearing even this morning, uh, after which they were detained. So we have always gotten the impression since they were uh, taken into custody on those uh, char charges, the visa immigration charges, uh, that the investigators at the very least wanted to know more from these people. And now we know uh, from this criminal complaint. That, uh, that, again, accuses them of conspiring to obstruct justice and making false statements, that the initial statements that they gave to investigators, either on April 19th or over that subsequent weekend, just did not sit well with investigators for some reason. You know, I know, happen to know a lot about uh, visas, actually, and because you don't go to class, that's not a violation. If you drop it's ridiculous. They first they bring nuts. these guys in for questioning, and then they get all freaked out, and they don't go. Then they don't go to class. That's the way I saw it. Yeah, but that, even and, that's not a violation of your student visa. Not going to class is not a violation. No, it sounds bogus to me. It, it, the whole I, thing sounds bogus. Yeah, it and is. Then, but they was an excuse to pick him up because that's what they're going to do. I and see. then they said for some reason, and when he said that, that's where I took this clip. That's when the Aaron Burnett clip that you have yep. comes into play. What was the some reason for some reason? Well, maybe it's because they had to uh, 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 retroactively tap their phones, which apparently is going on all the time. And Tim, is there any way? Now, obviously, it was a voicemail. They could they could try to get the the phone companies to give that up at this point. But if it's not a voicemail, it's just a conversation. There's no way they actually can find out what happened, right? Unless she tells them. 
No, there is a way. They, we certainly have ways in, in national security investigations to find out exactly what was said in that conversation. Um, it's not necessarily something that the FBI is going to want to present in court, but it may help lead the investigation and or lead the questioning of her. So somewhere so we can it's being digitized or they can actually get that. Because everyone, people were saying, look, yeah, that wouldn't well, be possible. Yes. It's pretty incredible what you're saying. No, welcome, <laughs> welcome to America. The, uh, there, all of that stuff is being captured as we speak, whether we know it or like it or not. Note to self, as uh, exactly. Deb Farrick just said here, yeah. <laughs> hey, I had an idea. When I heard this, so uh, this is very interesting that Aaron Burnett uh, doesn't realize that everything you do, all your conversations are all being dragnetted and sucked up and, uh, and all stored and can totally be retrieved. But I was thinking, if I was the U.S. government, I, could t I would turn this into a benefit. Imagine, John, if you and I... Uh, instead of doing the show like this, we just have a phone conversation and then we call the FBI and say, okay, podcast it. And then it just sends it out. Everyone's phone rings and the podcast starts playing. <laughs> this would be fun. What a, what a great, I mean, you can make I money that way. That. I, of course people, you know, but you get, everyone wins. The phone companies win for air minutes, uh, bandwidth. I mean, it's great. We don't have to do it. All we have to do is just talk. We can do it from anywhere we want. You know, just jack it into my podcaster box there, and uh, you're good to go. No, no RSS problems, no internet crap, and people would pay for that. Build it into your monthly subscription. Hey, buy the new No Agenda iPhone. Comes with No Agenda built in. Come on, it's a great idea. So the guy is essentially saying, for anyone who didn't quite get the clip, that they, and we know this, they have all these, they got a facility over in San Francisco. They're essentially routing all the phone calls cell phone calls and uh, landline, I assume. Skype, this Skype call. And the Skype calls. And they're routing them into a giant bucket. A bucket of calls <laughs> everybody's done. Now, the thing that with me that I, and I think it's probably coded, <clears throat> uh, the files are coded in such a way that you, there's a number of, I'm guessing, I have no idea how to do it. I bet doing. it's salted hash. The salted hash. <laughs> so they have like your phone number the first they find out what your number is and they want to get retrieve all your calls for the last let's say 30 days years yeah well they could do it but they, they're they going to be selected because it's a reverse it's essentially a i think they they legally yeah i think they're they're doing this it's a reverse uh tap so you're not because nobody's listening to these calls they're just being stored and so now they they think I you've done something I've done something these creeps have done something or these knuckleheads let's do yeah, it right knuckleheads. have done something so they get an order for one of those secret courts that they have here's the number we need the phone calls from these guys for the last three weeks or two weeks or the last week and uh, and so they go into the database they retroactively pull as though you're now being tapped in in uh, like in the past. You know, I'm so ha it's, I'm so proud to be working with such an engineering genius. <laughs> so, so they pull out the past three weeks of conversation from the okay, but the you're miss you're missing it. That's Ooh. not that's not what they do. Then they're like, okay, what else is uh, attached? That oh, look at this. He's got uh, he's like this show. Okay, let's go pull up the podcast. Oh, there's the Skype call. Oh, there's the emails. Oh, wait a minute. We can't get in because he's got his own server. Ah, crap. We can't get any Gmail. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. He's got a chat room. Ah, look at these assholes. Yeah. Let's pick up a couple of them. Yeah, well, that's... No, 
Oh, there is that element which is not discussed, which is like let's just since we're just grabbing crap. Yeah. The past we can listen to all kind. Of, oh, you know, I mean that's why I still think. Most but John, of this but John, free insider training. Hello, John. John, Aaron Burnett said something very astute, which is exactly the way the American people should be thinking about this and about cameras everywhere. Plus, surveillance cameras have provided key information during the investigation. Should we just give up our privacy in this country? Because after all, if you're not doing anything bad, why do you care if they're watching you? Exactly. What's your problem? You're not doing anything bad. Why do you care? Well, she, she says when the to- – I, like I say, you want, I did this on the, another show we talked about. Yeah, the Twitch show. Uh, Put him in the I- bathroom. I have said, if you're going to do this cameras, because everyone on that show seems to be really hot on cameras everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm saying, okay, then you put the cameras. You want more cameras. So, oh, maybe we need more cameras. They had cameras I on want, those. I want a camera that shows me Lisa bouncing up and down on Leo's belly. That's the camera I want. You have to have cameras <laughs> everywhere. You have to put the cameras in the bathrooms. Yes. Because that's where most of the criminal activity takes place. Put cameras in the bathrooms. Put cameras everywhere. That's right. And put a camera in your house. Yeah. There. I think there should be some people that are qualified. <laughs> you know, you look at their record or they're doing like a podcast and you don't like it. You don't like the podcast. You're not, yeah. They're not doing anything wrong, but you yeah. don't like the podcast because it says maybe call somebody a douchebag. Turn on the camera. Turn on his camera. Put a camera in their house. Yeah. Turn it on. By okay. law, you could be... And, you could actually, I, I bet you within the next decade, there will be cameras put in houses by the courts in your house. Well, but this is no nothing new. You look at England. They, they put cameras in the, in the trash bins. They put cameras in people's homes to see. Uh, the Child Protective Services, by the way, are the ones that are going to do this. Because, you know, you might be abusing your child, you know, by telling it to shut up and go take out the trash. You know, hey, shut up and do your chores, you well, moron. Well, here's the thing about people that are, oh, can we need more cameras. We have already too many. And, and, you know, you could be followed around quite easily. People always say, well, you're in the public. You're, you know, you're, so what? <laughs> you're, you could be seen by someone. Okay, let's put the cameras in the house. Yeah. And, and, and use the argument. I'm going to use this argument. I'm going to go with this one, Aaron's argument. Look, there's a camera in your house. But you're not doing anything wrong, so what difference does it make? Yeah, exactly. What's your problem? What's your problem? Are you are you plotting something? Are you making bombs in your house? Hey, what are you worried about? That's what this Google Glass is going to be great for. Get everyone. The go- I think I think the government, just like uh, in some countries, um, everyone got a gas mask. Uh, I think our government should do a deal with Google, another deal with Google, and uh, give everyone Google Glass. And uh, just walk around all day long wearing your glass and uh, just uh, videotaping everything. This is great. And you can get the poor man's version, which is essentially a, a GoPro strapped to your head with Velcro. Because that's really what it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a Go, it's a GoPro for twice the money with half the resolution. Good job, so I got, I got Nice work, boys. <laughs> I have three clips from, uh, from Aminem, Maminem, a poor. Uh, she brings in Eric Schmidt. Wait a minute, to the, the Google case. guy. Play, 
play the, the clip? Ammon poor CNN brings in Schmidt. As the Boston investigation deepens, an important question is raised. Is the Internet a terrorist's most dangerous weapon? Despite today's <laughs> arrest, the brothers Sanayev seem to have planned the attacks themselves Woo! without a support organization, although there are continuing investigations into actually whether there was one back in Russia. The younger surviving brother has reportedly told authorities that he and his older brother used the Internet to learn how to build a bomb. The Internet is terrorist tool? Is it avoidable, policeable, preventable? I can think of no better person to ask than Eric Schmidt. Oh, the well, you could have called Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak, I mean, lots of people, Molly Wood, I mean, lots of people. Chairman of Google, the Internet Titan, and titan. Forum for so much of our information sharing. <laughs> Schmidt titan. has just written a new book about oh, the promises yes. and oh. the perils of this medium. It's called The New Digital Age, Reshaping the Future of Peoples, Nations, and Business. John, we have to write a book, okay? You and I have to write a book and it's be a terrorist online <laughs> now with free self-radicalization dvd <laughs> jesus christ this is nuts okay so, we got more of this so she brings in she, she brings in schmidt and another guy who you're gonna love oh wait he's the ghost writer he's the other writer of course because <laughs> schmidt really hasn't got time to write but he, when you find out who he is you're gonna die play Ammonpour and schmidt uh is this two that's the yeah two. He joins me now with Jared Cohen, who is his co-author, and yeah, I, know, I looked this guy up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who, as a former State Department advisor on uh -huh. digital diplomacy, is now <laughs> what sounds like also now you have a fascinating new title, which is handler, is director of Google Ideas. Gentlemen, oh. thank you very much for joining me. <laughs> I know. Stop the show. <laughs> this is this is a new level. And if you donate $10,000 to No Agenda, you become the No Agenda Director of Ideas. <laughs> and you get to come to my house. That You are on book tour. You've talked a lot about a lot of aspects of your book. And it is all fascinating. But in oh. light of what's happened, I really do need to ask you, is there any way for something as powerful as... YouTube as this whole Google empire to actually police what's going on. You know, the day after the bombings, all we did was go online. Uh, does she ever stop? Does she, does she just ask one long question? Does it, she uh, is a chatterbox, and, uh, she, and she is chair. This interview, by the way, I did only have this small clip. Wait a minute, is this? It is, was the worst. She wait, is the worst interviewer. Is this book on Amazon? Amazon, Eric. Yeah, Shh, I got to read this book. This is too funny. Eric Schmidt. Well, you know it's written by Cohen. We know that. So well, it's got some State course. Department bullcrap. Of course. But what is the name of the book? The New Digital Age? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Reshaping the Future of People, Nations, and Business. Uh, did you look at the reviews yet? Were there all kinds of shill reviews in? Oh, first review. This is the most important and fascinating book yet written about how the digital age will affect our world. Wow, the shills are in, eh? Think that's a shill review? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let me listen to the rest of Anampur. We went to YouTube. We went to the, you know, Russian equivalent of Facebook. And we saw on YouTube, you know, a terrorist playlist. It said that. Oh. So, so in this particular case, we saw an almost perfect collaboration between the police and citizenry that ultimately found these two people and perhaps some others. You had over and over again crowdsourcing people trying to figure out who these people were. You had a whole community on Reddit and others that eventually...
eventually found the right people. And based on the story that you reported today, it looks to me like they got pretty spooked with that. When you've got a million people looking at you on a social network, you're going to be found. Oh, br- wait. I, oh, brother. <laughs> all right. And this and of, and of course, we had all this, you know, uh, all of this great crowdsourcing work. And we still have yet to see the video of them actually doing it. Where, do you have that on YouTube? Do you have the video of them actually putting? Yeah, maybe the, the Japanese, those Japanese guys who do the the, the animations. All right. They, they, do you have another one? Because I got some Obama stuff. Yeah, no, stuff I got it. This is the gem. This is the gem. This is kind of a meta gem. This is the one that says Jared from State. <laughs> a meta gem. Hmm. Yeah, and here's why. You were we. we I, in fact, I, if I had just a little more time this morning, I probably would have tried to dig up that clip with those that the idiot CTO. You know these. Those two guys who talked about talking in COBOL. Uh, Skip Logic? Skip Logic. Vivek Kundra. Yeah, Vivek Kundra. Well, do you want me to find him real quick? I can probably find him. You can play that. That would be a nice prelude because when you hear Jared Cohen, you realize it's a style because Cohen has this thing and you listen to it and you it's like the same kind of total horse crap. That, that that Vivek Kundra had with his talking in COBOL and Skip Logic. <laughs> uh, well, hold on. <laughs> like, just give me one second to see if I can actually find it. That that would be would be kind of cool. If it I is a very it. funny clip. Will it? Uh, it was the um, I don't know if I can find it that quick. This now we're talking about how many years ago? Four, four Fourth years time. ago, roughly. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it was during the first Obama term, so it was probably two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, okay. I got so don't worry about it. We, no. Everyone has heard it. And we'll play it again, and yeah, we'll see if we can find it. Work. So here's Jared, who is sounds like Vivek Kundra, just blabbering on about who knows what. You were in the State Department. You had to deal with this kind of stuff. Well, I, I think our conclusion about terrorism in the future is that you know future terrorists are going to have to opt into technology if they want to be relevant. <laughs> Uh, so by them using social media, by them accessing the Internet with tremendous frequency, by putting their social networks online, the room for error goes up significantly. Any professional mistake, any social mistake, and they increase the likelihood that the whole plot comes unraveled. And then it becomes easy to get the SIM card and see who's working with them. <laughs> it becomes easy to get. Not if you're on Verizon, it doesn't. Because they don't have SIM cards, a-hole. Jeez. Yeah, they gotta opt in. They gotta opt. Why? <laughs> Why do they have to be on the social networks to, to be relevant? What? Uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome to America, like uh, Aaron said. No, it was a guy. It was yeah, a guy who said. Dude, the dude say. said that. Wow. I'm I'm a little miffed that I can't find the Vivek Kundra stuff because that's that stuff is pretty genius. Hmm. Uh, so the president uh, did a um, sticking with Austin. The president uh, came out and did a little ditty. Uh, he said it was he, he, he did a press conference. He said this is an honor of the guy who's leaving, the uh, the White House correspondence president, which made no sense to me. But okay, and he just answered. They're, they're only in there for one term. One year, yeah. Yeah. So what? So yeah. This, so, so why would you do? You know, he's it's dumb. So the president came out and uh, and he answered a whole bunch of questions. I thought his his answer this was not as rehearsed as usual. Um. So there were some very. Uh, I I just I, maybe it was, he's just feeling good. I mean, he doesn't give a crap. I guess. And uh, words matter to me. So. Tell me what you think is weird about what he says here. The ability to detect a potential attack. Um. 
And we won't know that until uh, that review is completed. Uh, we won't know that until the investigation of the actual crime is fully completed, and that's still ongoing. Uh-huh. The crime uh, but, is still uh, ongoing. I mean, he did say that. Yeah, play that again. The crime is still ongoing. The crime is not done yet. Uh, we won't know that until the investigation of the actual crime is fully completed, and that's still ongoing. <laughs> it's not completed uh, yet. But <laughs> the crime is not completed yet, just so you know. Okay. Uh, and now he has, I had a suspicion. Yes, now he is doing something that I feel is dangerous. Dangerous. Uh, he's taking a... There's a new word entering the lexicon. And uh, the word is uh, a new word for terrorist. As, obviously, we're proud of the people of Boston and all the first responders and the medical personnel that helped save lives. Uh, what we also know is that uh, the, the Russian uh, intelligence services had alerted U.S. intelligence uh, about uh, the older brother, uh, as well as the mother, indicating that they might be sympathizers to extremists. Uh, the FBI investigated that older brother. It's not as if the FBI did nothing. They not only investigated the older brother, they interviewed the older brother. They concluded that uh, there were no signs that he was engaging in extremist activity. All right, so it's happening now a lot. He's talking about extremist activity, and they might be extreme extremists. We're talking about extremism, and uh, this is a dangerous term that is entering our lexicon. Um, from uh, the uh, from the dictionary, extremist, one who advocates or resorts to measures beyond the norm, especially in politics. So that does not and a bomber maketh in my book extremism an ideology or political act far outside the perceived political center of a society but it doesn't extremism is a new word i mean you could say that we're well, extremists that would put us in that category yes. because of the way we answered the quiz at kqed now what's even crazier and by the way, it also puts everybody who's been marginalized in, in podcast yes. radio yeah, into every. the same bag because they're trying to push the – they make a Jones, the, the, the poster boy for, for extremists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Extremists. So it's not no longer terrorists, but extremists. And what's very scary – and, I, and I'm, I'm blown away that no one was – I mean, the president sat there, stood there and said this, that extremism is on the rise in America and it's our own fault – because of largely his current policies. And he's saying it like it's just, hey, this is what it is, bitches. But this is hard stuff. And, and I've said from, uh, for quite some time. He said it for quite some time now, okay? What he's about to say, is, it, this should not come as a surprise to you people. That because of the pressure that we put on uh, Al-Qaeda Corps, Al because Corps. of the pressure that we put on these networks, uh, that uh, are well-financed and uh, more sophisticated and uh, it can engage in and project uh, transnational threats against the United States. Um, one of the dangers that we now face are self-radicalized individuals what? who are already here in the United States. Are you insane? <laughs> well, then stop doing what you're doing immediately. This is, I mean, I'm sorry, but this, this blows me away, John. Because of our pressure on Al-Qaeda Corps, because of that, because we're, we're bombing people in Yemen, 
Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraqistan, Pakistan. People are extremists are self-radicalizing here in the United States. And he's been saying this for quite a while now. This is insane. This this needs to stop immediately. We should have prime minister questions or or queen's uh, throne talk or whatever. Whatever he wants to hear, this has to stop. Uh, in some cases, may not be part of any kind of network. Huh. Um, and not even part of a network, just people going like, I hate you. But because of whatever warped, twisted uh, uh, ideas they may have. Like conspiracy theories. Uh, may decide to carry out an attack. Uh, and those are, in some ways, more difficult to prevent. Uh, and so what I've... Uh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I think we need to pour some money on the problem. Done for months now is to indicate to our entire counterterrorism uh, team uh, what more can we do uh, on that threat uh, that is looming on the horizon. Oh. Are there more things that we can do, whether it's cameras uh, in the home, <laughs> engaging in uh, engaging with communities where there's a potential for <laughs> self radicalization of, at this uh, of this sort. Uh, is their work that can be done. I need t-shirts. I just want a t-shirt that says self-radicalized and proud of it. And then I want another t-shirt. I want a t-shirt for Mickey that says I'm with self-radicalized and an arrow. <laughs> arrow. And then on the back, extremist. This is nuts. This is completely, completely crazy. And what's going to happen, here's the prediction. Put this in your book. My friends, okay. my, my dinner party friends will have me arrested. They love me, but they're going to have me arrested. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's for your own good. It's, for, it's clearly for my own good. <laughs> because, you know, it's white. Oh, I forgot to tell you. At one point, Mickey said, you know, she was talking about the gun in her, in her glove compartment. She said, now all I have to do is work on my anger management issues. That, that was... that was <laughs> Good line. <laughs> I was pushing it a little bit, but I thought she was brave for saying it. It <laughs> was cute. Yeah, very good. funny. Oh, my I wife. she got a laugh. She did for me. I'm like, holy crap. I, at a certain point, both women said, whatever Mickey's drinking, we'd like some of that, please. Because, yeah, you know, we, 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 need to, we need to catch up. Adam's going to read his email. Adam's going to read his email. Adam's going to read his email. On the No, no Agenda show. show. This is a big hit, John. This, uh, this email segment is a big, big hit. People really like it. It should be. So uh, I thought we'd uh, uh, we'd read uh, just a few emails before we go thank some of our uh, producers. And, of course, there's uh, always tons more to do. Um, so we were talking about BuzzFeed. Uh, Adam, my brother, works for BuzzFeed. He writes about music and has done, many, done for many years now. Um, uh, I won't mention his name because I'm not sure if that's uh, appropriate in this case. But... Uh, he said, I want to give you the inside scoop on BuzzFeed. We, you know, we were trying to figure out what this thing is. BuzzFeed offers very high-paying jobs with significantly above-average benefits and a relaxed work environment. Remember, this is the place that doesn't want to hire anyone who's a hater. No haters. They built their name by sniping writers from all over. My brother came from Rolling Stone along with a large contingent of their staff. Others came from Spin, New York Times, you name it. They offered more money and a better work environment in an effort to skim the top talent from the industry. Whether or not it worked is another story that I don't want to get into since it's largely irrelevant. Well, see, I don't think it's irrelevant. I think that this is, you know, if you look, this is another Silicon Valley 
venture-backed thing where they're all like, you know what, let's start a newspaper. And all we need is money, and we can do great reporting. And then pretty soon it turns into NASCAR. It's like, oh, well, we, you know, we have no money coming in, and we need some ads. And then before you know it, just you got Martha Stewart uh, pretending that she's on Match.com. Did you see this? Yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, Martha Stewart. It was it has not a payoff at all. She just decided all of a sudden that she yeah, wanted to be Yeah, with a pseudonym, so you could get, you might get lucky. Yeah, <laughs> or might. unlucky. Uh, Vic Thompson writes, Adam, look. Lately, you've been looking for a description for no agenda. This is uh, based upon our conversation about how we help people understand what it is. Sorry, but I can't help you with that. And there is no way that I would help fund you, even though I have been downloading No Agenda for about a year now. If you disappear tomorrow, I would not give a rat's ass. Why? Well, Adam, you're a pain to listen to. Sure, the facts may be relevant and even accurate, but your over-laughing and random loud protestations make me cringe, and I wonder if this is a compensation for something smaller. The very poor, <laughs> the very poor conversion of some Small words. Dick Adam. E.g., citizens do not support the extremely intelligent examinations of which you are obviously capable. So I mainly use no agenda for sleep assistance. In all, you seem to be relatively well supported, so you don't need me anyway. So why do I bother at all? Because you have some content of interest, and it's long enough that I can usually drop off to sleep at some point. Thank give you. A douchebag, that guy. Yeah, I'll give that guy a douchebag. Douchebag. Douchebag letter. And this one, I really, this one is very nice. This is from Blair Slavin, Los Angeles, California. Came in this morning. Dear Adam, I have found the perfect show for you to listen to and learn how to properly utilize a soundboard. I'm like, wow, wow. You know, it's I've been in radio for ever 30, 35 years, whatever. And the soundboard is, you know, the thing that we have all of these jingles signed uh, up for. It says, please listen to this. This show enhances. Oh, this show enhances and makes the show fun instead of annoying and tired like some lowbrow morning zoo style. Which is what we do. So I'm like, you know, I'm always willing to learn. Right, I mean, I'm I'm not. Oh, a, you are. That's I'm, your hallmark. I'm not. A, I'm not above saying, okay, it's my hallmark. <laughs> yes, I want self radicalized and willing to learn on my T-shirt. So I'm like, why don't I go listen to this show, and and because this guy clearly has some tips. Would you like to hear the show that was pointed out as the perfect way to do it? To do a soundboard, yeah. Coming up on a spatially inconsistent episode of The Morning Stream. Movies with twin plots are weird. Free comic book day just got a whole lot more free-ish. The Webbies seems like it's not for us anymore. Women, it's so sad the way you said it. Women are the ones that need to stop smoking. Bad advice from the famous. Hero movies are going to burst their bubble. Recommendals. Tom's tech time. More Kate Upton thoughts. Thank goodness. Glenn Beck's (laughs) site made some sense today. And more on this episode of The Morning Stream. Pick out any three people, take three glasses, and you're just about ready for this one. Pepsi-Cola Half Quartz, a long... I'm not, this is not edited. This is the actual show. ...tall Pepsi value that pours three big servings... Now wait for it. ...for three big thirsts. You see where so-called king-size colas run dry, just about here. Pepsi Half Quartz keep right on pouring. The mother
morning's dream into daring rescue action. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Boy, it'll teach me to dance. Wow, John, do you know how to do it now? Is it just that overmodulated? Yeah, oh, the show's overmodulated, and he's like yelling over the morning stream. And that's how I should be doing it. Okay, yeah. Blair, Blair Schlavin, uh, hit yourself in the face right now. Hard. Thank you. It's unbelievable. I, People send me this. <laughs> that's how you should do, use the sound. And <laughs> Yeah, that's how you should do it. Now, I, we're busy guys. We're recording. I mean, I, I usually have about 100 clips for each show. We only use maybe 10, 15 but you never know. So I'm recording. I've got stuff. I'm reading stuff. I'm looking at legislation. I'm marking up PDFs. And you're taking my time. I'm, I'm willing to learn. And you're sending this to me. Like I have to watch this. Was it? Is it? Was it a, a video podcast? No. Oh my God. No. Was, no. It's a great. The morning stream. Morning which, stream. I guess it's really like, which is a P plan on taking a P. Yeah. Which I think is oh, it's so hilarious. So awesome. Gee, that's your show great. should never be a. A, a kind of a, a pun that is lewd. No, it's just it's just not not good. It's it's been bad form. Here's another. Here's a uh, just a, as an aside. Oh, never mind. I I'll do this later. Let's get uh, <laughs> what? Let's take a break. <laughs> I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Welcome to the morning stream. That's right. Oh, it's blowing here in the studio. And I've got a sidekick here who will just talk about me whenever I want to say something. He'll go, yeah, that's all right. The morning stream. So they'll clip that and put it on their show and show you how to use a soundboard. How, how to right? use a soundboard. Kyle Kiz, Kinzel in Green Bay, Wisconsin, home of the Packers, uh, came in with $191.87. He'd have a note. Uh, it says, for me, no agenda is confirmation. That there are other people out there who don't believe all the information fed to us by the government and the mass media and relief and relief that you have backed up deconstructions with logical, reasonable analysis and not just talking points that get shouted out while people are trying to sell seeds or gold. <laughs> However, we do not know how to use a soundboard. <laughs> Idiots. Thank you for making me feel like I think the way you take personal offense when you use the soundboard, it's amazing. You're actually quite good with it. You're like one of the best soundboard guys ever. It's just when someone does that. It's you just, could probably run a cart machine. Uh-huh. Stop now before I kill again. John White in Jackson, Tennessee, $189.95. He uh, just says tells us to his excellent Boston bombing coverage. I'm hitting many people in the mouth as possible. Please. Uh, he needs an in the morning karma. If you, uh, in you, the morning. Yeah, Absolutely. You've got Kathy, karma. Oh. Kathy, don't, step, don't step on the karma. Stepped on the karma. Kathy Boch, it's Beauchamp or Beauchamp. 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 I would think it was that, but she's in the Bronx. $189.95. <laughs> Birthday gift for Leonard Smalls. Yay. Omri uh, Amarov Drory, 150 bucks in parts unknown. <coughs> Andrew Kirby. Covington, Louisiana, one seventeen twenty three. Uh, anonymous 
Chris in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, no, Boulder, Colorado gave us a donation. I mean, he's in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. So not quite sure what that's about. Peter McConnell in Stockholm, New Jersey. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Boulder was uh, 8439. Uh, Kirby was 11723. Peter McConnell, Stockholm, 8439. Again, we have two 8439s in a row. Uh, and he would like a Chinese in the morning. Uh, Sam uh, Leon. <laughs> he sent me a baron, note. Baron, baron Sam. Baron Sam. Baron Sam. He's a baron. Yeah. He he sent us eighty three dollars and fifty cents with his pronunciation of his name was Leong. 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 But Leung. I pronounce it Leong. Yeah, but that's wrong because he's a baron. It's wrong, and he says it's hilarious. You know, whenever whenever you say something loud, whenever you modulate loud, the Skype cuts out. So oh, could you, could you just pipe really? down? Just pipe down. How do I sound now? <laughs> Charles C. Walters in Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, 6969. Andrew Cox in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, 6616. A spare tax return money because of John's May Day newsletter. He says the newsletters work. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank goodness. Something's got to work. Newsletter. Yeah. Alan Chung in Bellevue, Washington, uh, 6660. That's the original home base. Hey, of hey my- wait a minute. I'm sorry, John. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, we skipped over the extremely obvious that there was only one, one. 69. 69, dude. Which was Charles Walters. That was the only one. Uh, I don't think so. I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to the spreadsheet uh, people about this because I recall at least three coming in. They will be uh, uh, mentioned. Anyone who sent in 6969 will get their comeuppance. Comeuppance. They'll get their, 60, they'll get their comeuppance with a 69. You're going to get emails about that. John can't speak right. I can't use a soundboard. Uh, that's not right. It's definitely not right. Are you on the 56K modem today? Is that what you're dialing in with? Is it coming in bad? Yeah. The whole- Andrew Cox, yeah. Lincoln, Nebraska, 6616. Andrew Chung, Bellevue, Washington, 60s that we're going on. I'm sure Michael Miller and Tiburon, 6616. What is this 6616? I don't know. Oh, I know what happened. Wow, it's a miracle that 6969 stayed in. Why? With our... As, as JC's training, uh, oh, these are the nets. She deducted the. Uh, she deducted the. This is what uh, we PayPal. actually get. Yeah, yeah. So you think you're giving the us? The Walters one came in right. as a check. Oh wow! So these are all 66, 60, 69, 69. Oh, In other words, Cox, Chung, and Miller. That's why the numbers were so weird. I'm like, these are really weird numbers. I, what are people? There, there are. Our people are on drugs. Like I know, I'm gonna send sixty five forty six. What? <laughs> what? 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 I know, I know, I'm gonna send fifty six ninety five. Oh, I'm gonna send forty seven forty. So wait a minute. So on a fifty dollar uh, donation, we get forty seven dollars and forty five cents. Welcome to life. Holy crap! That's not that's not okay. I always thought you I were. I always checks. I always thought you were just shortchanging me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, oh, well, it doesn't seem like the right amount, but I like him. I might, you know, it's okay if he's skimming. He's got kids in college and stuff, whatever. Not skimming. <laughs> so, anyway, so the, okay, let's do hit the 69 jingle. Oh, okay. We'll thank these guys. Oh, wow. This is uh, 
Good work, Buzzkill Jr. 69! 69, dude! Oh, well. So we want to thank Walters, Cox, Chung, and Miller. They're all in the 69-69 club and hit it again. We're done. There we go. 69! 69, dude! So now everybody gets to hear what we actually get from them when they use PayPal instead of using your bank to do time payment, which is the real great way to do it. Uh, which is what Charles Walters does. That came through one of the time payment payment system. He pays sixty nine sixty nine every so often. I don't know what the frequency is. Kenneth, uh, Ryan Jones, Cap Lejeune, North Carolina, fifty eight eighty five. Uh, Amir Makar in Mountville, Pennsylvania, fifty six uh, ninety five. Uh, Eric Ojebo, Ojebo, I'm guessing in some place I've never heard of. Gitmo Nation Smorgasbord. So that must be Norway or Sweden. Orebo? I don't know. That's one of the two. It's up there. Uh, Scandinavian Nordic. 5332. It's, it's cold. It's cold. It's cold. Dodge Gaskill in Pensacola, Florida. 5272. <laughs> Daniel Kelvin, Mackinac Island. 5272. What? That's probably double nickels on the dime. Could be. 5229 might be too. You know what? Which, just could, this, could, this is a disaster. This could <laughs> screw up the karmic universe. I mean, who possible. in all these new numbers? I mean... You know, this could this could change things. None of these numbers have ever been heard on this show. We and we are putting them out there. Who knows what this could really? This, and by the way, not necessarily bad. This could change things in in ways we can't even imagine. Well, so the fifty dollar donors include Hollow Walker in Spring, Texas, which comes in at forty seven forty five. Mike Metaloni in Chicago, Greg Brunsell in Kenosha, and, and Adam Mori in. Uh, Middletown, Maryland, and then we have the next one. I think is probably forty nine dollars, and so is yeah. Not- don't do it just in case because we don't want to. Yeah, we can always uh, give her a uh, shout out later. So those are our donors for today's show five oh nine, and then you understand the net. Uh, if you can help us for the Sunday show, and we'll what did go PayPal really old methodology? Hold on, what did PayPal really do to take all those dollars from us? Nothing. They did the, uh, yeah, they did, well. Shuffled they, some bits around. Yeah, they did a machine thing. The thing came in, and then mm. they took the money from a credit card or something, and then they uh. passed it through a banking system, and then they they gave us what was left over. That's wow. what they do. Wow. And, uh, well, okay, Bitcoin. Well, it's not 10% no at least. And I'm glad we didn't do Bitcoin because if you had, if you had sent us Bitcoin on uh, on Monday, we would have lost like 30%. People don't seem to understand that. They still say, hey, man, why don't you take Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> because I had need to eat. So why don't we just put our money in the sports book in Vegas? Speaking of which, I got an email about that. Um, I guess, you know, the, uh, what's coming up? One of our, uh, Jennifer, one of our uh, dames, I don't know if she's a dame. Uh, hi, John and Adam. I'll be attending the Kentucky Oaks and Derby this weekend as a 40th damehood instead of uh, instead, as it would have saved a bunch of money, I'm less than $200 away. Am I? 40th birthday gift for my husband. I'm sorry. Too bad he didn't finish, finish off my damehood. That's what she's saying. Because I'm only $200 away. Uh, anyway, I'm writing to see if you have any ideas on which horses might be profitable this weekend. And, of course, I will share any earned wealth with the best podcast in the universe. Since your theory is that all major sporting events are fixed, I wondered if you had any thoughts on the Derby. Now... She brought this up in her email, which I, I I like the idea. She said, last night, 60 Minutes profiled a female jockey who will be running Saturday. So, of course, she's high on my list. 
And I thought that might be a pretty good bet, you know, considering the, the war on men. Since we're all horrible and, you know, and, uh, and women. I would women say are... there's no chance in hell she's going to win. Okay. And, but she could come in third because you want to have at least, you know, some profile. Can you still here, make money I... on a third, on a third place? Yeah, win, place, and show. There's three bets you can make. You can okay. make a bet on all three or one. Okay. And it, as a show, win, place, and show, as a show bet, it's a possibility. I'm guessing she comes in fifth. And, uh, but, do, I, you know, I have I got a horse track across from where I live. I can see the track from here. Mm -hmm. And I have – and they have, uh, uh, you know, a betting in there that you can bet on this. I can go over there and bet on the Kentucky Derby. Mm -hmm. And so I have been – I started doing this uh, – I don't know, maybe – I don't. I used to go to the track. I just gave up on it. But the uh, – I've gone and tried to beat the Derby because they, they – the way the one thing to look for is the following. You have a big winner of a horse that's going to just sweep. It looks like they're going to get a triple crown. And then some horse from the Middle East comes in for one of the – either the second, the Preakness or the Belmont, comes in out of the blue mm -hmm. and is entered. Uh -huh. And it's got good times and everything. That is the horse to bet on because it's a sleeper. And they do – I've seen this happen numerous times. Chills. But then the one where I gave up on it was there was a horse that was obviously a triple crown winner. It was a number, couple of years ago. It was going to just win everything. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll go down and put 100 bucks on this thing. So I went. I think it was either the Belmont or the Preakness. I'm not sure which of the two races. But if people will remember this. If you if you remember this horse, it was Ruby, Rubico or Rubayon or something like that. <laughs> Rubicon? No, it wasn't Rubicon. <laughs> it might have been. But anyway, so I go down there and be, I bet on the horse. And I watched the race, and it, it goes like this. This horse was a favorite to kick. You know, it was an easy bet to win. You're not going to make that. We make 140 bucks. And so the so the horses are in the gate. His gate opens by itself, out of the blue. <laughs> Oops! How does that happen? The horse runs <laughs> for it, and and then they have to stop the horse. The horse comes up lame. Yeah, of course. But the horse finally broke <laughs> in it with a broken leg, and they had to shoot it. Shoot it on the track. I mean, this was like, okay, I am not betting on these races anymore. These races are fixed. Uh -huh. But we're not in on the fix, and it's not yeah. predictable, so we can't help you with this race. That's a long story well, short. Okay. Whew, okay, so uh, in other words, uh, third in show on uh, the chick jockey. That's about the best we can yeah, do. As a, as a long shot. As a long shot. Okay. Uh, thank you all very much for your support of the best podcasting universe. Uh, you can see uh, how we get raped uh, by PayPal. Those guys, by the way, uh, Elon Musk and everyone, they're all flying jets. Thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, $2.10 for every one of our listeners. But here's the good news. Um, no one can ever accuse us of taking uh, um, money from guys who are part of Conspiracy Inc., yeah, we're not we're not selling you seeds, we're not selling you gold uh, or uh, water filters or anything. All we're asking for is that you support the program if you like what we're doing. And so far in our sixth year, seems to be okay. Yeah, but and so yeah, and you should remember that we are in competition not with the seed sellers, but we're in competition with the movie industry. You spend so much money to go to a film. Think about was this a movie you could have better watched at home. And and, think, and give us the fifty bucks that you spent going to the the theater with one member of the family and, and a box of ten dollar popcorn. Or, or let me let me put it covered with some weird grease that'll goop. make you sick as a dog. Goop. Or uh, the multitude of you who sent me the link to the serious documentary, 
which caught which a lot of you spent nine dollars and ninety nine cents on. So let's just call it ten bucks. Are you insane? Did you see this movie, John? This is like they found a little six inch high alien. I mean, I know this movie. It's called it's called Alien Autopsy. It's, I know the guy who did that too, Ray um, Ray Santelli. Santilli, Santelli. I, I knew this guy. I hung out with him a bit in England. This is a scam. Okay? This. Have you seen this movie, John? Have you not received an email like, hey, you got to see this documentary. No, it's cool. No. They're withholding power from us. Yeah, I know that. I know they're holding energy sources. But, you know, then you bring in the six-inch high alien. Oh, go. Uh, yeah, I'll do the birthdays, John. You take a look at uh, Sirius, S-I-R-I-U-S, documentary. Please take a look at the pictures of the six-inch tall alien that they're taking DNA from. Please, please. Because even, I mean, I, I got a problem with moon landings, but I don't have a problem calling this bull crap out. <sighs> anyway, skeleton. The, the point is, you could have uh, spent that money perhaps a little wiser and probably gotten more truth out of the deal. Dvorak.org slash N-A Sir Doug says happy birthday to Ariel. Glad we got that one. And Melanie Mann says happy birthday to... I mean, says happy birthday to Jim Mann. Celebrating tomorrow. Yes, he wanted the German accent. You haven't, Melanie. Now come here. Sit down, you wench. And Kathy Beauchamp says happy birthday to Leonard Smalls. Happy birthday from your friends, all of us here at the No Agenda Show. It's your and we have uh, our title that uh, we're going to be putting in the credits as well. Sir Stephen van der Haven now becomes Count de Monet. Count de Monet. <laughs> Very nice. And no nightings, of course. Uh, nothing else happening today since we didn't uh, do all that well, but we uh, appreciate what we got. And remember to put your uh, executive producer or associate executive producer credit right up there on your uh, LinkedIn page. That seems to work really well. <laughs> All human resources. Now entering second half of soul. Did you see it? Did you see the alien? Yeah, it's bull crap. Who cares? Can you believe that? Waste. And people were like, "Hey, man, I'll get the tweet. I'll get it for free. For free. You don't have to pay for this. I got. I got a ripped version." I said, "I'm not. I have. I have no time. I have no time to spend on this." I mean, I'm the first guy who would be like, yeah, well, you know, we got to make sure we, you know, but this, I'll no. I'll be meeting with him next week. Huh? Hey, I got a couple of clips from the EU thing I want to do. Yeah, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. EU yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it gives me a chance to do this. You're a spot! <laughs> Woo! So, um, I found, I got the clip uh, from uh, uh, Van Cat, the, uh, French uh, outlet, which is essentially the first indications of the uh, European Civil War. Oh, and finally, World War III. <laughs> finally, it's about time. And it's all kind of it's in this is just a, this is actually a long, boring report that you have to read, this, listen to the subtext, and you realize. And this was in a little thing that took place, I think, about a week ago, uh, when they were exchanging nasty twitters between Germany and France, which is going to be the start oh, of the Civil is War. Is it those two again? It's always the same. These idiots. What, so what? let's. This is the. This is the. The, the wow. furthest it's gotten. Mm -hmm. This will be at. This is the point we're going to mark it in the book. 
This is when the war began. Growing tensions between France and Germany, the two allies and strongmen of Europe are exchanging harsh words. Did you record this off your telescreen? Was this the George Orwell news? This became this is this great. Came, this <laughs> this came from a feed that's on the internet, and it just has the sound sucks. Sounds oh, I love it. No, it sounds really authoritarian. Like oh, well, uh, it still sucks. At least in the press, it all started with an interview published last week, where France's Parliament Speaker advocated a more head-on approach with Berlin. Oliver Ferry reports. Well, French President Francois Hollande called it friendly tension with Germany. The vocabulary used in a draft document from his Socialist Party was far from amicable, calling German Chancellor Angela Merkel selfish and obsessed with Germany's economy and her own political career. French Speaker of the National Assembly Claude Bartolone even raised the prospect of a confrontation with Merkel to better put things into perspective. Now the Elysee is trying to put out the flames before they spread. Prime Minister Jean-Marc Ayrault took to Twitter, in German no less, saying that Europe's problems will not be solved without an intense and sincere dialogue between Paris and Berlin. And other high-ranking French ministers now are also criticizing the criticism of Merkel. Debate, yes. There are questions that need to be asked, that need to be put to Germany. But belligerence, no. And that's what you're alluding to. It's inappropriate to criticize individual leaders like this. Berlin has also tried to play down tension, saying it is not the words of parties that count, but rather the actions of governments, though not all share the sentiment. It's insolence from the French socialists. Germany cannot be held responsible for the state of the French economy. I'm angry that our closest ally would criticize us like this. And while Bartolone may be sending a message counter to the Elysee, it does position him well should Hollande choose to change direction and look for a new prime minister. A move that the French opposition would surely welcome since it would underline a severely divided socialist party. It's almost, you know, it almost sounds like one of those movie reel documentaries. <laughs> Is that what you, you like about this? Yeah, yeah, but almost like, and it was very obvious that the Third World War started on May the 2nd of 2013 when the German Chancellor said to tweet, say, fuck you, you frog, bitch, I'm going to fuck your economy down. Something like that. So, so a follow-up. Yeah, it is it, a funny sound. The follow-up is uh, this was a compilation of my, Nigel Farage, oh, Farage's yeah. comments at the Sovereign Man Conference. Oh boy, which was uh, it's done by these guys who want people to buy their books about how you can get a second passport and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, he there's a, so there's a couple of cuts in here that I think are awkward, but generally speaking, it's a good Farage rant, including some inside information that we have not heard yet. My fear is that in the end, what will break up the euro isn't the economics of it, it will be wholesale, violent, possibly even revolution that we see in the Mediterranean. And what I hate about this is that it's all so unnecessary. Five countries, five of the 17, have now been bailed out, and you heard it here first, the next is Slovenia. Slovenia will be bailed out within the next two to three months, okay? You heard it here first. Rainbow. And given that the French, of course, now have a new president, who, who I think actually, in the modern-day pantheon of idiots that are running countries around the world, I think Monsieur Hollande is, is absolutely the number one. His third act was to introduce a hate tax, 
of 75% for any successful entrepreneur. Uh, and would the last one please leave the country immediately? Uh, this has become a religion. The idea that we must aboli abolish the individual nation states. Uh, and, 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 you know, they've got a new flag. They've even got an anthem. You know, they've taken part of Beethoven's fifth, and it's the anthem. <laughs> and every two months in the European Parliament, they raise the flag and they play the anthem. Do you think I stand to attention? <laughs> Do I hell? <laughs> but they've sunk to this level because Merkel is terrified because she has an election coming up in September. So she has to show the German people she's tough, and stealing money uh, is her means of doing so. And I repeat the advice I gave this morning. If you have investments, if you have money based with Eurozone banks, then my advice to you is get your money out of those banks in those jurisdictions as quickly as you can, because next, when the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. So that could be the Netherlands, by the way. For what, next bailout? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he says it's going to be Slovenia. Mm. That wasn't even on our radar. Well, what was this thing about Beethoven? Is that the uh, the European? Apparently, it is stolen from Beethoven. That's the interesting. New, do you, would you have the national anthem there? Of course. I I have it every morning. It's Ode to Joy. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at the Book of Knowledge here. Oh, it says it. Ode to Joy is the anthem of the European Union and the Council of Europe, Starfleet Command. Both of which refer to it as the European Anthem. Well, what a rip. They stole it and they renamed it? Yeah. Wow. What a jip. It's a good, it's a good tune, though. <laughs> maybe we should rap to it. Well, maybe not. So there's a couple of things in there that also should be pointed out because uh, I went to the, I was in San Francisco yesterday for an event and then I stopped at one of the wine stores I frequent. What was and, the event? What was the event? Can you tell us? Uh, yeah, the uh, Lexus rollout of the new IS. Okay. So I was there. <clears throat> so you're scamming cars again? Not scamming anything. Did you get I'm one? Reporting. I'm a reporter on this <laughs> Did you have? Did you have your little portable recorder? Your podcast? You go like, hi, I do a podcast. Can I? Can I? Can I sit in the car? No, but I did. I, I here's a little. This is an aside, but let me make sure that I get back to this, uh, <laughs> yeah. this point. But so I'm. I'm talking with. The, there's a lot of writers there, and there's a guy from uh, Glam. Ugh. And he's and he, but he's a really nice guy. I liked him. But he had a, uh, he said, he, we were talking, somehow we were talking about advertising, we were talking about splits with uh, a lot of people, a lot of these publications nowadays, you, they get, a, they find a bunch of bloggers, they put them online. I mean, he, Forbes is doing this. Forbes is doing it, ZDNet's doing it, they're all doing it. So they put a bunch of bloggers online and then they do a revenue split if the blogger attracts enough attention that they actually get revenue. Oh, well, so, and, so this, of course, means that you make up all kinds of bull crap. Oh yeah, a lot of this these blogs are garbage. So anyway, so you so the thing is, and Forbes has got plenty of them. And so, the, but anyway, the thing is, is that uh, he says that there's been kind of a, a problem because there's been a huge fall off in advertising revenue as people are shifting back to television. These big advertisers, really. And he told me that uh, Federated Media, yeah, laid off ninety people. 
Uh, that's a bad idea. That's a bad sign. He says, because I said, well, I expect this is a cyclical thing and, and this advertising thing is going to cave and it's going to take Google with it. It's going to take Yahoo with it. It's going to really make a mess. Cause well, how, well okay, okay. So this is really important. I think you and I have discussed on this show multiple times that the whole Internet advertising thing is a scam. It's a big scam. This is it's bots. It's botnets. It's uh, it's entire um, aircraft hangars full of Indians clicking on stuff, looking Pakistani, at scripts, Pakistanis. Pakistan has a group of these, and the Philippines has a big crowd. Philipp Philippines guys. is huge. This is internet advertising. Of course, somewhere, and I think search advertising, you know, that's we know that's a scam, though. But this this click thing, this banners, it's scams. It's a huge scam. At the end of the month, when it's time for the board meeting, you go and spend uh, $10,000, and you'll make thirteen. I mean, it's 3000 in the middle. It's it's called arbitrage, which is the word you don't believe exists. Um, but this is what the Internet has become. And, and I'm glad. I'm glad this is falling apart. It needs to fall apart so we can have less crap. Yeah, well, he says that he's noticing it. Uh -huh. And I, when he told me about the federated media layoff, that's, which pretty I, that's where he worked before. Right. He was one of the guys laid off, and he went, went to work as a writer over at the Glam. And uh, so I thought that was very interesting. Is this something uh, recent, these layoffs? Apparently. Let's see. What's going the on way at he says media? It, the way he says it, this is a building phenomenon, and he's noticing it, and he's mm -hmm. apparently I'm watching it. Hmm. I'm, not, I'm seeing November. I'm not seeing the Last any, year? Yeah, I'm not seeing. That would probably be it. November. So what's going on at Federated Media? Shutters. Standard direct sales business announces layoffs. This is when was this? Well, that's two thousand nine. No, 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 no. no, no. It's something more recent. Now I'm seeing. I'm seeing November twenty third, two thousand twelve. Why Federated Media has to reinvent online. Blah blah blah. Yeah, they probably keep it quiet. You know, they probably they they, they have this. Oh well, who's reports this crap? I mean, when the internet goes down in the whole state, nobody even writes about it. Well, they're offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Royal Canadian Mint has been pushing forward. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to finish up your thing about Europe? Yeah, I want to finish what I was saying. I could put a little arrow. So so I'm at the wine store, and uh, the guy, we're talking about some winemaker that's in Bordeaux, and I said, you know, this guy, he wants to he wants to get a better appellation, and, and we're just gossiping about the guy, and, we, and he said, well, you know, this guy uh, needs to uh, move here. And the one guy who knows him well, he says, yeah, that's what he's thinking. I said, what do you mean? He said, he's thinking of moving here because of the taxes uh, in France are 75% on his winery. <laughs> he says, you can't make any money. He says, what, are they crazy? Yeah. And yeah. Then, so there is a tax of 75% on biz small businesses and, and I guess sure. some wineries. Sure. It's crazy. You know, when in 1972, when we moved to the Netherlands, um, income tax was 72 or 73%. And uh, the slaves loved it. Now, at the time, of course, you had, you know, uh, government television, government radio, and you had government health care. I mean, really, you know, paid for by everybody. And if you if you broke a toenail, it's like, oh, stay home. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll take care of you. Here's some money. Here's a check. And, of course, everyone just massively was taking advantage of the system. N neighbors hating each other, like, 
He's staying home. He's getting paid to stay home. I don't believe he is hurt. his back really hurts. It's a horrible system. It's a bad, bad system. I've lived in it. It doesn't work. And this is the socialist French. Yeah, and so the French are just going to get all pissed off. They're already pissed off because the their whole country is, has been uh, hijacked with a, a Muslim invasion. And they're very angry about this. It's, it's, you know, but they don't really, they just, you know, they drink a little more. But they are angry, and it's brewing inside. And when you get the French angry, huh, be careful. They tend to chop heads off, these guys. The French are nasty. I mean, people always like to ridicule them for not being fighters because of you know, what happened in World War II. No, no, But no, the no. French personality is just the opposite. You know, they the, are. In fact, you find this with the French Canadians. No, how about the, you, those little French Canadian guys? <laughs> it's where all the boxers from Canada always come from. They're so, tough and mean. So Sebastian at the at the at the market. So he lost his uh, his his kitchen license, which you know we don't know why. But so he can't make his mergash and he can't make his uh, duck confit. So he's just selling the raw, you know, the animals. And I'm not interested in a duck. You know, I want his duck confit. I want his uh, sausage. I want his mergesh. I, you know, I'll even take some of his, uh, 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 what do you call the, the, the stuff that's illegal now in California? The goose. Uh, foie gras. Foie gras. Um, so, but he's not allowed to do that anymore. Cause of course, I'm sure because he's an arrogant French prick and he got someone pissed someone off. And I said, well, screw you with your license. And uh, so I, you know, I haven't That's been. The way it works. I haven't been shopping because uh, I don't want. I don't want his stuff. And I went up to him the other day. He says, "You lose points, you know." I said, "What do you? You lose points, you know. You don't. You don't come here no more. You lose points with me." <laughs> I said, well, "What are you talking about? You, you, you not. You not. You don't buy from me no more." I said, well, "I want your stuff. Oh, I have my license soon. You lose points with me." This is the French. And by the way, how many French fuckers donate to the show? None. Exactly. Zero. No, they're socialists. They're, you know, it's, but they're mean. They're French very are mean, mean very underneath mean. it all. Very mean. I mean, I love going to France, and I know how to deal with the French, so I don't worry about the meanness. But it, underneath the French, there's a mean streak. There's, yeah. And they and they get when they get worked up, they're the ones when they have strike. They're having strikes constantly. Oh, yeah. And they're the guys who pulled over. There used to be a big wine thing going on in well, the, look, look, the let's, South. Let's face where it. They, they pull over the truck, a truck filled with Algerian wine. And, they turn the truck over, dump the wine down the sewer, and beat the crap out of the truck driver. Yeah. I mean, but let's be honest. They still insist on speaking French. Come on, get with it. Modernize people. <laughs> Modernize. Modernize already. Uh, okay. I, I need to do two things. Are you done with uh, Europe? Pretty much. I like that, though. Put it in May 2nd, 2013. Start of the the European War. Uh, and, of course, the beginning of the war with Eurasia and Oceania against Eurasia. Um, so we have a new um, FCC chairman coming in. Yeah, lobbyist. You know, Cut out the middleman. It's, it's Put the lobbyist in charge. It's funny you say this because... It turns out that he is indeed, he was a, a lobbyist, not for one, but for two trade groups. And, uh, and so he, he did lobby uh, the, the, the government. And so now he is in charge of the FCC, which means he'll be in charge of uh, cell phone, broadband, radio, ham radio, really everything, and, and gets to set policy. But here's what I don't understand. Uh, I, I went to C-SPAN and I and I, I got some clips. You know, C-SPAN is pretty. If you go to c-span 
uh, video.org. You know, there's a whole archive system you can search. And, and I was sure that I heard the president had done this, but, yeah, it's true. They also deserve to know that there are rules on the books to keep it that way. They deserve a government that is truly of, by, and for the people. As I often said during the campaign, we need to make the White House the people's house. And we need to close the revolving door that lets lobbyists come into government freely and lets them use their time in public service as a way to promote their own interests over the interests of the American people when they leave. So today, we are taking a major step towards fulfilling this campaign promise. Oh. The executive order on ethics I will sign shortly represents oh. a clean break from business as usual. Okay. As of today, lobbyists will be subject to stricter limits than under any uh, under any other administration in history. He <laughs> can't even read it. He's so full of crap. If you are a lobbyist entering my administration, you that would be the guy will not be able to work on matters you lobbied on. Whoa! Whoa! Well, how can he work? He, he, can't, he can't do this. It's in the executive order. It's breaking the president's own rule. So he, it, I'm going to just back that up. I heard that properly, didn't I? If you come into my administration as a lobbyist, you cannot work on things that you lobbied the government for. Well, he, he lobbied for this. He was a lobbyist for the cable and for the wireless industry. To work on matters you lobbied on or in the agencies you lobbied during the previous two years. Oh, or, or even two years. Well, we know the guy lobbied uh, the FCC in two years. This is outrageous. When you leave government, you will not be able to lobby my administration for as long as I am president. And there will be a ban on gifts by lobbyists to anyone serving in the administration as well. And I remember, because we talked about this, and, and then I pulled another clip, and this is all 2009 stuff, uh, new rules. If you are enlisting in government service... You will have to commit in writing to rules limiting your role for two years in matters involving people you used to work with and barring you from any attempt to influence your former government colleagues for two years after you leave. Sounds like a bad deal to me, my friend. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I would not accept this position, uh, Mr. Wheeler. Does that work with guys like Chertoff? Well, the two years have already gone. Yeah, now it has, but he went right into the. Most of these guys go right into the business right immediately. Well, here's Hayden. the here's about the, Hayden, the CIA guy. Oh, yeah. He's working for Chertoff. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, cool the way that works. But no one ever calls anyone. No one ever says anything about it. It's like oh, well, some uh, of the press corps say something. Why would they? They're the ones. They want gifts. They want free cell phones. They want broadband. They want Google Fiber. Not going to do anything like that. And then this one, this one really killed me. Um, so the um, the firm Perini Zachary Parsons received the uh, business from the state of California of $985,142,530 to build the first section of the high-speed rail uh, yeah. And do you know uh, who's in that uh, consortium? I believe Diane Feinstein's husband. That would be correct. That would be correct. Her husband uh, gets to, to build a, a railroad that costs $35 million per mile. I thought that was only $32 million per uh, mile. Inflation. Last time we talked about it, it's gone up a little bit. 
And then we have uh, yeah, it's a billion dollar contract from Feinstein for Feinstein's husband. And then we have Benghazi, and this is very interesting. Um, so apparently, several of the uh, other people who were in the uh, consulate of Benghazi, and we know there are about thirty of them who were whisked off to Germany after uh, the ambassador was killed and uh, three other uh, service members were killed. I think one CIA, one SEAL. Two other dudes all selling arms, whatever they were doing. And uh, so now they want to testify later this month. Daryl Issa, of course, is, uh, is putting this all together. And uh, it sounds like the uh, administration in the White House is denying or is trying to stop really these people from talking. Now, we we thought that it was possible they had received national security letters, which basically says if you talk about this, we're going to lock you up forever. We put you in jail, and you know the NSL national security letters are used all the time, certainly by this administration to shut people up. And uh, so now there's this one attorney who I do question, uh, but she's making a lot of trouble. Here's her partner, and I think her husband, uh, Victoria Tunsing, my partner, has just been retained by one of the Department of State whistleblowers who are going to appear before the ISA committee uh, on April 26. Uh, Congressman Isis sent a letter to the new Secretary of State, John Kerry, demanding that the lawyers who are going to represent these whistleblowers be cleared, be given clearances so they can talk to their clients in the committee about classified information. The Department of State is refusing to grant clearances to Victoria and other people who want to represent the whistleblowers in an attempt to prevent the testimony. There's going to be a constitutional showdown here. Congress is going to win. The administration's effort to cover up what happened at Benghazi is going to fail. It's taken a long time, but Boehner and company have finally gotten their act together and have decided that they must get the answers. But right now, the Department of State is refusing to give security clearances to people like Victoria so they can represent the whistleblowers. The whistleblowers are out there. These are great Americans. They are heroes. They were on the ground in Benghazi. They want to tell their story, and the administration is going to do everything it can to stop them from testifying under oath in public, and they want to protect Hillary and the president. That's what this is all about. So this, uh, uh, so this, so one of these lawyers, or maybe the lawyer, Victoria Tunsing, is all over. She's on uh, Fox News, and uh, she's like, "Hey, you know, they're covering up their." I just wanted to, you know, uh, say that this woman has a beef, certainly with the Clintons. Uh, back in the Monica Lewinsky days, they were on television all the time. Uh, she and her husband. I think this was her husband. I think. What, what's her name again? Tunsing. T O E N S I N G. Um, and she was in the Reagan administration as a deputy assistant attorney general, headed up the terrorism unit. But she also, you know, she also defended uh, the government with the TWA eight forty seven hijacking Pan Am flight one hundred three. So she's not a good actor, okay? Because you know, the Pan Am one hundred three clearly CIA job. Well known, they blame it on the schmuck from Libya, which of course was later misused uh, by this current administration. So I'm not, I'm not uh, thinking she's such a great person, and certainly her beef against Hillary Clinton. 
but it's not like this is unknown. It's not like it's unknown that they're you know that we're trying to get people to testify. And this question did come up in the impromptu press conference with the president, and his answer was pretty funny. As a question, I know pieces of this story have been litigated, and you've been asked about it. But there are people in your own State Department saying they've been blocked from com- coming forward. That they survived the terror attack, and they want to tell their story. <laughs> Will you help them come forward and just say it once and for all? And I'm not familiar with this notion that uh, anybody's been blocked from testifying. So uh, what I'll do is I will find out uh, what exactly you're referring to. Uh, What I've been very clear about from the start is that uh, our job with respect to Benghazi has been to find out exactly what happened, to make sure that U.S. embassies, not just in uh, the Middle East but around the world, are safe and secure. Uh, and to bring those who carried it out to justice. Uh, but I'll find out uh, what exactly you're referring to. They hired an attorney because they're saying that they've been blocked from coming forward. I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> I don't, I, what? I don't know. Never heard of what? Never heard of that. Now, Carney, spokes whole By Carney. the way, she looks like Mel Torme. <laughs> Spokeshole Carney, his, his answer was even better. So, okay, so we want to, clearly we want to avoid the whole Benghazi thing. Ixnay on the Benghazi Bay because, you know, that we know that was a, a botched um, kidnapping that was set up to make the president look good and make him a hero. And there was, and by the way, um, you know, th- th- there's a lot of information about what really happened. You know, th- uh, uh, Chris, uh, uh, what was the, uh, what was his name? What, from what? Uh, Chris. 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 I want to say Chris Anderson. But no, the, uh, well, the, Chris, amba- uh, Chris, the ambassador. Uh, yeah, Chris. The ambassador. Chris Matthews. The ambassador. No, not Chris Matthews. Oh, Chris, I mean Chris Matthews. Uh, the ambassador. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't he know didn't I just die of smoke in- inhalation, okay? Stevenson, wasn't Stevenson. it? Stevenson. They raped him with a broom handle and dragged him naked through the streets. There's pictures of this. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, they they, they, they F the guy up big time. And none of this is, oh, it's like, oh, he died of smoke inhalation. No, no, I'm sorry. They raped him with a broom handle, okay? This is no joke what happened here. This was a, it went incredibly wrong. Things with this administration are going wrong. They're so arrogant. This is what I think happened with, with Boston. Something went wrong. Maybe not. Anyway, I don't want to get into that because before you know it, I'm selling you seeds. Um, but here is Spokeshole Carney's reaction and how he's how he says shut up about that the defense department and the state department both have written letters as i understand it to republican daryl isis saying that they're not aware of anyone coming to them asking for security clearances for their counsel or anything to come forward mm-hmm. first is that your understanding and second um if someone were to come forward if they just haven't technically told their superior or something um if they were to come forward is the white house willing to let them testify well again i mean that's a, that's a hypothetical but let's be clear well, there are, Benghazi happened a long time ago. <laughs> That's my favorite. Clear. It happened a long. It happened a long. Years ago. Why are you dredging up the past? Uh, so long, man. Really? I mean, come on, stop talking about it. We are unaware of any agency blocking an employee who would like to appear before Congress to provide information related to Benghazi. <laughs> He's reading. <laughs> it oh, happened. Unaware. Let's be clear. It happened a long time ago, man. It's like, really, man? It's like a long time ago, man. Seriously. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Long time ago. Yeah. I could go on forever, but we can't. We can't go on forever. We have to stop this show here. What do you think? Should we stop here? 
Jeez, what the time it is. I know. You know, I'd, how did we wind up doing this? I don't know. Oh, so we got off to a late start. Mm, yeah, we also, but we went long. You should have stopped me. I was on a roll. I was glad you that were. I, I saw one more thing. Let's do one more thing. Stop this. Stop this. Whoa, whoa. Really? You're going to stop the show for one more thing? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, this was a kind of an, a, a is, weird... Is, it, is this going to kill the whole show? Is this going to be like a total yeah, downer? It's going to kill the whole show. Actually, <laughs> what's going to kill the show is that is people are going to start thinking Dee Dee Dinah. <laughs> wait, wait. Let's do it. <laughs> You can mix this into everybody talking about the bird. I'll, I'll, I'll about do that. The, yeah, you can mix it right in. Get everybody, make everyone crazy. Uh, nah, we'll do the. Nah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Cliffhanger. A cliffhanger, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! That was scary. A cliffhanger, I tell you. Ah, no, I have an end of show clip uh, of uh, Eleanor Clift. She is the douchette on uh, on the McLaughlin Lady group. Dinah after that, then. Okay, <laughs> okay. In in its entirety, it's only two minutes. She's a minor, by the way. I I was worried about this thing. What they wouldn't let a song like this be played anymore. She's a minor. No, it's just he's she's a minor. Well, how about Mi- te- how about Teen Angel? It was Teen a, it was Angel, can you hear me? Doesn't have the same. No. Uh, you we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens if people start hearing this song in their brain. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I will turn on the transmitter. All right, everybody. Please support this program for Sunday. It's always tough to get the support we need for our twice a week, but we know you're going to come through. And as always, you can sign up for one of our monthly uh, support systems. Go to Dvorak.org slash NA. Coming to you from the capital of the Drone Star State. Where I'm an extremist. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, plain and simple, I'm John C. Dvorak. Talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. You call it amnesty. I don't call it amnesty if you have to pay back taxes, you have to pay some pretty hefty fees, and it's 13 years before you can become a citizen. But this does legalize people, gets them out of the shadows, and strengthens our defenses, frankly, if you know who is in the country as opposed to uh, just having people in this shadowy position. And I would also ask you, John, let's call them undocumented immigrants. Illegal aliens, I think, is a rather offensive undocumented term. Undocumented Democrats. <laughs> hey, citizen.
Mac and Cheese by Ayn Rand. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A.